This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right. What's up, guys? It's Analyst, and we're back again. Uh, this time we oh, cut out for a second. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Setting the tone for the rest of the podcast. It's early in the morning, at least for me. Uh, we're recording Wide Receivers Part 2. Last time I did Wide Receivers, I was joined by fantasy rapper and this time joined again by Faraz. So Faraz, thanks for being here. For sure, man. How's it going? Yo, yo, did did rapper rap the entire podcast or did he did he just like That that would have been cool, but now he didn't. Oh, nah. okay. We oh, we just talked. That, that, that would have been dope like, you know, for each receiver like he had like <laughs> 16 bars or some shit. <laughs> I feel like I'd have to rap back and then it would just nobody would watch it. Right, that would just be awkward at that point. That would just be I'd be like, "Yo, Juju." <laughs> I don't know. Um so people have probably already left already, but if you're still here, uh, we did the top 15 uh, wide receivers last year. We did MT, Adams, Julio, Hopkins, Hill, Galladay, Godwin, Evans, Moore, A-Rob, Cooper. Uh, I'd put Amari Cooper and Cooper Cup, but I just did abbreviations. So, so I was like, Cooper Cup. So, <laughs> Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, A.J. Brown, Calvin Ridley. Um, and rapper also touched on Juju and Chark at the end as the 16-17. So um, we'll give you a chance now if you have anything on either of those two guys. If not, we can just move on to number 18. Yeah, I mean, just quickly, I do like both of those guys this year. I think Juju, where he's going right now, he's the definition of a post-hype guy. I know we're going to talk about OBJ soon, too. Uh, both of those guys are post-hype for me. Uh, I like Juju more. Uh, just I think with Big Ben coming back, he you know he had a world of issues last year, quarterback issues. On top of that, he had his injury issues. So you know this year he's at a serious value, right? He's going what third round, uh, end of third round, something like that. Um, I just think that's such a such a good value for him, especially in PPR. Uh, coming you know out of the slot, it's just um, for me it's like almost like a no brainer pick if I'm kind of in the middle of the third uh, and I need a wide receiver. Uh, with Chark, I like his price too. Going like I think he's going like in the middle of the fifth right now. Um, so you know, really not a bad, bad value there. The fifth round is interesting because it's a lot of good receivers, you know, kind of in that range. Uh, yeah. But I like Chark. I think that you know, with Gardner Minshew, there's no QB controversy this year. Nick Foles is gone, so it's 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 Minshew's job. And I think Minshew is going to you know, we saw the the report between him and Chark, right? And Chark was like a borderline wide receiver one. I think he was the wide receiver eight. Uh, through those first nine weeks with mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew. Um, so, you know, that rapport is there. There isn't going to be anybody really challenging Shark for those uh, for that high target share. So I'm in on him as well. So, like, with Shark, like, he's, like, the ideal wide receiver three. I know that sometimes the way your draft ha- rolls out, he ends up being a wide receiver two, which is fine. You know what I'm saying? But, like, you know, <laughs> I love grabbing him as a, my wide receiver three just because, like, I have a, so much room you yeah. know what I'm saying, for that upside. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. It happens. 
um, especially if you grab those running backs early. Yeah, a lot of people are um, usually grabbing at least three running backs for the first five. Well, okay. it was the first yard. There we go. Bro, it's daytime. <laughs> I know. <laughs> are, are you a nap guy? Like, like, do you take naps? No, I hate naps. Me too. I hate naps. I think that's why I'm so tired, though, because I need naps, but I hate naps. <laughs> Dude, sometimes naps make me even more tired. Like, I don't know what I, – I feel like you have to time it perfectly. You know if what I mean? nap, I'm, like, so. angry when I wake up. I feel like I just wasted part of my day. Like, nighttime is for sleeping, not daytime. Like, it just pisses me off. Dude, I'm – But then so, I'll wake up at, like, 12. I'm so with you about the wasting the day part. Like, I don't want to sleep. Like, if I fall asleep by accident, I'm like, shit, shit. I fell asleep for 14 minutes. Damn it. It's 14 uh, minutes. I gotta put out a post. Right, this. right, exactly. I, I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same page here. <laughs> All right. So, um, you just. Oh, I feel another yawn coming. But uh, you just touched on Juju and Shark. That's gonna be a long podcast. <laughs> um, so let's dive into some of the other guys here. So, at first, when I first did these rankings, um, I had OBJ at 18. Diggs at 19, because we're starting from 17 here. Juju, 16. Chark, 17. All the other guys I had were top 15. Um, but then I was looking at all these players, and I actually moved some guys up. So I have Terry as my wide receiver 18 now, which is pretty high. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so when ha- with Haskins starting, Terry McLaurin averaged 12.6 points per game. And it got better and better as their chemistry grew. They reconnected their college chemistry, right? And, um, I mean, Haskins has put in a ton of work this offseason. He's been working out. He lost some weight. Um, and, and a lot of people forget, like, so we talk about, like, why Joe Burrow was being taken first overall in the entire draft. It's because of his last year with LSU. If he was, if he was draft, it was, if he was in the draft class the year before that year in LSU, he would have been undrafted, late-round QB. No one would have really thought about him all that much. But a guy like Haskins, I mean, he blew up his last year in Ohio State. He had 50 touchdowns uh, in his last year. So it's kind of a similar situation to where if he hits his upside as a player, I mean, Terry could benefit so much. And I know the offensive line isn't great. They still have Morgan Moses and uh, Brandon Sheriff. So they still have decent pieces on that O-line. Uh, they drafted Siddiqui Charles, some other guys who they might put in that situation. But um, <laughs> overall, I mean, I, I think Terry's just – he kind of reminds me of like Devontae Adams, just without the better quarterback, obviously. So I think Terry's just, first of all, I haven't added anyone to that wide receiver room, right? If anything, Kelvin, Har- Kelvin Harmon towards ACL. Uh, they have Antonio Guinea Golden, who I think he can be okay, but without training camp, no preseason, it, it's going to be just Terry's show. They have no tight ends, they have some running backs they can pass to, but he's going to get a ton of targets. And sometimes it's just not a bit, not a bad idea to follow the volume. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up with 140 plus targets. And if he really does connect with Dwayne Haskins, if they can get back onto that college level, if they can build off the success they had at the end of last year, I think Terry he has top 10 potential. And we talk about um, how good he did last year. That was as a rookie, right? And the expectations for him were very, very low as like a mid round guy. He wasn't one of the first wide receivers taken. So. Uh, my expectations for Terry this year are very, very high. I think he's going towards the tail end of the fifth round, maybe even sometimes the sixth. But I'll, I'll be jumping on his ADP every time I see him available. He's going to be my wide receiver, too, in a lot of leagues. And a lot of people are worried because of Haskins, but I, I, I wouldn't. You know, I, what we saw at the end of the year, I think, like, weeks 14 through 16, he had, like, 15 points per game or something. Like, he really started lighting it up with Haskins. So I, I'm not concerned. 
Yeah, I, I love ha- I love McLaurin as well. I mean, I he's one of my favorite rookie receivers, and I think he was one of the ones that are kind of overshadowed, right? Because a lot of rookie wide receivers did well last year, yeah. and then you're gonna go into this year, and after after 2020, you're gonna be like, no rookie wide receivers did well. Like it's very possible, right? Because of the whole because of the COVID situation and all that, and the shortened off season. Um, you know, and you have to think about that when you're when you're drafting these rookies in your fantasy drafts of you know like kind of temper your expectations with with all the rookies, right? Especially mm-hmm. wide receivers. Um, a little easier for running backs to kind of acclimate. Uh, but there are a few things I like about McLaurin. One, like you, you mentioned a lot of things, right? But he's the de facto number one wide receiver on this team, right? Mm-hmm. Look at the Redskins roster. Who's the number two behind McLaurin, right? Kelvin Harmon towards ACL. Uh, he's out for the year. That leaves Steven Sims as a slot guy most likely, right? Uh, Cody Latimer. Right on the other side. I forgot he was um, there. <laughs> right, exactly. Like you know. Uh, by the way, like I would have, you know, I would keep an eye out for Sims. Right, I think he's a potential sleeper because of the same reasons. Right, he he had some good games last year. Uh, yeah. But anyway, like McLaurin as a rookie, right? He ran as the number one wide receiver and he played well. Right, against good coverage. So um, if Scott Turner, right, new OC, if he's anything like his dad North, uh, he's gonna love taking shots downfield. Uh, McLaurin. He's going to have an elite target share. He had more than 20% in year one, which is impressive as a rookie to yeah. be able to handle that. Um, and, and this is an interesting thing, right? Uh, do you remember that that ridiculous year for Josh Gordon that we've been holding on to for what seems yeah. like 10 years now? Well, Scott Turner was a wide receiver coach there, right? And he helped Josh Gordon reach that elite level that year. Um, and McLaurin was able to do his thing last year despite all the QB struggles. Uh, so, DJ I, Moore, DJ Moore was able to do his thing last year yeah. despite QB struggles with Turner and Carolina last season. So McLaurin, he has a connection with Haskins, like you said, from Ohio State. They started putting it together at the end of last year. It's just I think it's adding up for McLaurin in his sophomore year. I can totally see him taking a step forward along with Haskins taking a step forward. He looks good, man. He's not that he, he was a little pudgy last year, right? Haskins yeah. was a little pudgy last year. He looks a lot better now. Um, uh, and by the way, so McLaurin is one of the four rookie wide receivers who had a yards per route run over two. So over two yards per route run. Now, if you look back at the data over the last 10 years, these wide receivers go on to have at least one wide receiver one season in their career 91% of the time. And, and that, that's thanks to John Bauer from Fantasy Pros on that one. So I'll be coming out with a post on that soon, just about these rookies, four wide receivers went over two yards per route run last season, you know, in their rookie year. Um, and they have a really good chance of having at least one wide receiver one season. So middle of the fifth round, I'm in on McLaurin. He's a target of mine for sure. Absolutely. And um, it's he really does uh, – I, I mentioned comparing him to Devontae Adams before, especially because Devontae Adams is one of those guys who just brings in all these touchdowns. And uh, that's a similar situation what uh, Terry did last year. I remember there was a game um, – my uh, my cousin he uh, he he was doing player props and he was like you know what? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Terry McLaurin with two touchdowns this week I'm just gonna do it I'm just gonna see what happens and he won nice. and it was just like it was I, I think it was with Haskins so I mean he he won a lot of money from doing it but um that doesn't really prove my point but I guess it's just funny <laughs> that Terry's one of those guys who can come down with two or three touchdowns in a single you know in any given week uh, right. especially with the lack of weapons no. Exactly. No tight ends, especially. I mean, Dude, Haskins Daddy is gonna, Moss. Haskins is going to just be like looking at him all game long. Yeah, he's gonna. Ha- I, I think he's gonna have at least twenty five percent target share, at least. Yeah, that sounds about right, and that's elite. That is, even if they run the ball a lot. I mean, who else are they gonna throw to? So. Yeah, and, and the defense isn't that great, so. 
Yeah, it, it has a lot of potential. I'll say that that secondary got a little, you know, took some hits, but um, I mean that front line, that front seven. Oh the, yeah, they're definitely gonna get some sacks for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway, if it's crazy, like how analytical we can get, we can say with the good front seven, they might want to get the ball out quick and might throw it deep a lot with a weak secondary, so it can cause more shootouts. Yeah, I um, feel like that might be overthinking it a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next podcast, we're if we use whatever the hell we're doing with this, we're gonna analyze um defenses. We're gonna be like, oh, they don't right. have defenses, so use this. I don't know. Um, <laughs> ramping. It's early. So next on my list, uh, moved him up to number nineteen, DK Metcalf. So I had him at twenty one originally. I started doing my research, moved him up to nineteen. Um, look, I mean, him and Tyler Lockett, they both heavily rely on the efficiency of Russell Wilson. And they both had over 100 targets last year. It's not impossible for that to happen again. But at the same time, they're really counting on Russell Wilson's deep ball. They're counting on his efficiency as a passer for them to both be successful. Um, and there's, So he had a great rookie year, and he might be one of those guys. Is he one? Tell me now. Is he one of those other guys who had uh, two-plus yards per route run? He is not. He is not. Well, rip. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so being a run, being on a run-heavy offense definitely limits him as a player. But uh, I mean, if they ever decided to pass, holy shit, him and Tyler Lockie could easily be top fifteen, potentially top ten guys. But um, point being, I mean, he didn't really have much of a route tree last year. If you looked at, I think I saw on. Um, I forget what website it was, but it showed each one of his routes. And it was like every time, left, up, left, up. That's, right, right, right. That's all he did every single play. That's the only thing he knew. So if he can expand his route tree a little bit. And by the way, like, more... he did do that very well. Like he was, he, able, no, he to, did he was able to separate. He was able to like run that route really well. And he does run some routes really well. So like I think the the idea of him not being able to run routes coming into last year I think he kind of proved a lot of people wrong. Um, yep. you know, even though his route tree isn't ridiculously expansive, but he can he can build on that, and he showed that he could separate. Um, but yeah. they did keep it simple for him last year, which is probably smart. Yeah, and I mean, like like I said, if he can expand on that, it only helps his value being more versatile. I have him over Tyler Lockett. Um, Tyler Lockett's probably going to be in the slot more, but DK Metcalf's going to have more of those deep ball opportunities. We'll see how they use the tight ends this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a crazy year. We all know that. But um, DK Metcalf is just one of those guys who has that upside. I mean, going to the second year, usually wide receivers tend to take that second year jump. We talked about Terry before. DK Metcalf can be in a similar situation. So uh, by some, he was the best wide receiver in the class last year. He ended up falling for injury and what was it, a three-cone? He ran, like, really right. bad three-cone or something that – Totally blew the dumbest thing ever that like caused him to fall to the end of the second round. But whatever it is, maybe he's got a bigger chip on his shoulder. I'll I'll, I'll buy him as my wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Where uh, so you have Metcalf at nineteen, you said? Nineteen, yeah. And where do you have Tal Lockett? 
Uh, Tyler Lockett, another guy I've been moving around. I had him at 29 before I started my list, but I think I have him at 25 now. 25. Okay. Okay, that's that's a lot better for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it should be a lot closer, right? And when I initially saw yeah. your rankings, I saw them like about 10 10 spots apart, and I was like, I don't think there's that much of a difference between these two guys. Now, apparently the Seahawks are interested in re-signing Josh Gordon if he gets reinstated. Did you see that report? Um, I mean, who who knows how long that lasts? If it does, like if they do re-sign him, like well, he might like literally be like you know suspended can't get suspended for marijuana anymore that's true but i think there's a little bit else going on you know what i'm saying like i think there's a little bit more going on there i don't think it's yeah just... but apparently it was like i think it was his brother who died so it caused a relapse so as long as nobody else i mean i don't know i don't know his situation i don't know his personal situation yeah, it's tough, man like like he he needs help i hope i hope he's getting it and like you know what's so funny like whenever he interacts with the public over the past couple of years it seems like he's like well spoken and like he's like, you know what I'm saying? Like he he kind of like he knows the situation he's in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's not like, like publicly going off. Like he's not he's not he's not Kanye, right? He's not he's not Antonio Brown. <laughs> he's not Antonio Brown. You know what I'm saying? Like he has issues, but he's not an asshole. You know what I'm saying? Like so it's interesting. Uh, but he's anyway, only 29 too. Yeah, yeah, and we've been holding on to like like that season, like I mentioned before, for the last like it feels like 10 years. Yeah. Uh, but um, now, anyway, like, if it does happen, I mean, we really don't need to be taking more of the already small amount of targets available for these wide receivers. Um, mm. And by the way, like you said, Metcalf did not reach the two yards per route run threshold. The hit rate, so the hit rate to have at least one wide receiver one season goes from 91% to 30%, 30% for him. Uh, but he's a freak of nature, right? And there's a, there's a still a good chance he has a wide receiver two season. Um, but anyway, uh, Metcalf's volume last year was all over the place, right? As a rookie, he did great. 100 targets, you know, altogether. 58 catches, 900 yards, seven touchdowns. That's a legit rookie season, right? The yeah. volume isn't going to be there this year either, right? Um, Tal Lockett is still going to be there. Everyone who thinks Metcalf is going to take this huge leap in target share ahead of Lockett, like I've seen that, and I don't think that's going to happen, right? Lockett, he's a very good wide receiver. He, you know, he's one of the best route runners in the league. There's no reason why Wilson is going to take targets away from him and give it to Metcalf. I, I would personally just draft the cheaper guy and the better wide receiver between the two, and that's Lockett. Um, especially because I've seen Lockett fall a little bit, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, like, I do see a potential. Like, here's the thing, right, with Metcalf. I do see a potential for Metcalf to kill it in the touchdown department, right? Yeah. He led the NFL in end zone targets, um, and he caught only six of his 18 end zone targets, right? So I can totally see, like, a 12-touchdown season from Metcalf, right? And if that's the case, you got yourself a wide receiver, too, at the very least, right? Tal Lockett, though, like, so Metcalf had... 18 end zone targets. Tal Lockett had 13 end zone targets, right? So not necessarily jump balls for him, but he gets open, right? Mm-hmm. He's a technician. He's a great route runner. Uh, both these guys are going to have an up and down season, I think. You know, like one guy does well, the other guy might not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's how it's kind of go, um, going to go, right? I wouldn't expect too much consistency from either of them uh, because of the fact that the Seahawks throw the ball less than any other team. Right, and that both guys usually can't eat at the same time, right, or in the same game. It, it happened last year a couple times, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, um, and, and then not to mention like how involved the Seahawks tight ends are, yeah. right? Whatever that situation ends up looking like, it, it hasn't mattered who the guy was, right? And they did add some guys there, right? So, uh, for me, neither of these guys have been on my radar. Like, I don't think DK would be this high for me. Um, he, sh- I personally think he should be like a little bit closer to Lockett. Like, I would push him down a little bit. Um, uh, so, but yeah, I might put both of these guys closer to like the middle of the like i guess like the wide receiver two wide receiver three fringe sure. right 
Um, and I'll talk about Thielen. I mean, I'm talking about um, I'm not Thielen. I'm ta- I'll talk about uh, Lockett when we get there a little bit more. Um, we just go into them now. I mean, we already covered most yeah, of sure. it. Okay. Time. Yeah, sure, sure. Let's let's talk about Lockett then. Um, so the so the one thing I want to bring up, like what he was doing before he had that weird shin injury mm-hmm. in week ten against the 49ers. Um, he was the wide receiver three, the wide receiver three before that 49ers game in week ten. He was killing it. Now, it was mostly because of touchdown production, right, on efficiency. And that's, that's literally what he's been over the past two years, right? Um, and he didn't have a shit ton of target volume. He was still getting it done. He was still averaging eight targets per game up until that point. And then week 10 and on, he started off slow, and it, he didn't have a game with more than four targets until week 14. Um, and that contributed to him only having 5.4 targets the rest of the way. So, and then in his two playoff games, he jumped up to eight and 10 targets in each of those two games. Um, so to rank him as a wide receiver three, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I kind of wanted to have him in the wide receiver two range only because like mm-hmm. the consistency is going to be an issue if he can't keep up with the efficiency. But that's really what him and Russell Wilson have to do in this ridiculous offensive system, unfortunately. Um, and they just mm-hmm. make the best of it. So he's being in the take, he's being taken right now in the fifth round as the wide receiver 21. Um, so you have him at wide receiver 25, so that's that's not bad. Um, I think I'm closer to the consensus, though. Maybe, like, even around, like, wide receiver 18 or so. Sure. Closer to, like, the mid-wide receiver 2 Who range. do you have higher, Metcalf or Lockett? I have Lockett higher. Okay. I'll by how much? Like uh, probably by uh, five or six spots, five. maybe. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think Lockett might be a little bit more efficient. Um, you know, I think that he's just a better route runner. He can do more, right? But okay. – but I'll, I'll say that I think um, Metcalf has more upside, though, because of the fact that he adds that jump ball ability in the end zone. And, like, the fact that he, he got so many end zone targets, led the league in end zone targets in year one, you know, he could be more efficient there. And then he can come down with 12 touchdowns, and then all of a sudden you have, like, a Des Bryant season, right? And yeah. where, you know, you're, you're banking on those touchdowns. And that's not a bad thing. Like, some of these guys, you know, we haven't had that those type of guys in a while. Like, Kenny Galladay did it last year. Right, where you know that he's going to be the end zone beast, and Metcalf could be an end zone beast as well, just not without with all that volume, uh, which is fine. I'm cool with that. You know what I'm saying? But I, I would like to see it first. But at the same time, I think he's very capable of that. So, you know, that's kind of how I'm approaching these two guys. Yeah, it's it's funny. You look back to I think it was like two seasons ago, right before Metcalf. Um, I think it was like it was like every week, Tyler Lockett, one catch, 50 yards, one touchdown. I know. One catch, 50 yards, one touchdown. That's Every crazy. single week, it was so consistent. It was so crazy. It was so efficient, and it was like it, I don't. I hate to rely on that. Me too, man. I hate to rely on it. Like, uh, and and that, and same thing with with um Metcalf, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be something similar where like he's not gonna get a shit ton of volume, but mm-hmm. you have to depend on the efficiency. I hate depending on it, but you know it's so funny. Like that uh, in 2018, I had Tyler Lockett on my roster, right? I drafted him in like the sixth round or whatever it was, and like I had him in my lineup, right? But I ended up trading him away because I was just like, yo, he can't keep this efficiency up. You know, yeah, I think I, I, like, I think after like week five or week six, I'm like, all right, well, he's scoring every week. So I'm just going to trade him now. And then <laughs> what ended up happening? He just continued to score it. every week. Yeah. <laughs> like basically, right? Like it's crazy, man. Like it, it was like every, I traded him, traded him away. And like I just like my team like went to the shitter like after that week. It wasn't because of him. It's just because of other stuff. But like every time, <laughs> I, I just kept seeing him score, score again. Score again. I'm just like. You know, what reminds me of. Turn him away. That same year, 
Um, so Chris McCaffrey like started lighting it up the second half of the year. Yeah. Like he was like the running back one, like the right. last five or six games or whatever. Right. And I think like seven games before the season ended. I'm like, damn, I need some more wider receiver running back. I forget what I traded him for, but I traded him away basically. <laughs> and just watching him get like 30 points a game, every oh single game for the rest of the season. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you didn't do anything. <laughs> like he was, he wasn't bad. Like the first half of the season, I think they still had Jonathan Stewart that year. I don't even remember. Maybe it was like the last year with Jonathan Stewart. I don't remember. But um, point being, like, I was like, you fucking kidding me? So I, I definitely understand that. But um, with a guy like Lockett, I mean, he's never going to be – he's not going to be a high-volume guy. And I think last year, I think there was a game where he had 11 targets. It was like week five, six, seven, something in that range. But um, so I was really surprised when I saw that. I thought I was, I was really hopeful for, like, the future for Lockett because he's never been a high-volume guy. He's relied on those deep targets. He's relied on that efficiency. So, um, but for me, it's like having DK be the red zone guy, and then you have the tight ends getting involved in the red zone. Uh, and for him to not be a high volume guy and to not rely on those touchdowns, it just makes me a little weary about Tyler Lockett. I mean, like efficiency wise and being able to get the ball, I definitely have faith in him with uh, Russell Wilson, and I'm sure he's going to rip some touchdowns. But if DK is going to be that, that red zone guy now. I, I just don't know how I feel about Tyler Lockett relying on him as a wide receiver too. I And he's at the point where you can get him as your wide receiver three, which is what I would want. Right. I, I wouldn't want him. I wouldn't want to take him as my wide receiver too. Cause you just look at like the role on the field and you get a little worried about it. So exactly. I, and that's why it's, it's, it's tricky here because like, yeah. you know, for me, like I was like, okay, you know, he'll, for me, he's going to be mid wide receiver too. Right. But do you want him as your wide receiver? Too? Yeah. Right. And I, for me, the answer is no. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know where he's probably going to finish. and I know what kind of numbers he's going to have. But do I want that as my wide receiver, too? Probably not. Now, would you, you feel I mean? more comfortable? OK, let me ask you a question. Would you yeah. feel more comfortable with Michael Gallup or Tyler Lockett as your wide receiver, too? Gallup. I would feel more comfortable because I think he's, he's going to have more volume. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. So but I, I moved Tyler Lockett to 24. The good thing is I, I I would I we don't have to have Gallup as a wide receiver too because he's taking he's being taken so so much Seventh later round. you know and that's part of the reason why I'm like I don't need to draft Lockett. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so that covers 17, 18. Let's move on to 19, which wait 17, no 18, 19, 20. Okay, <laughs> moving on. My I didn't like physically move them on my my little list right here. So like in my head, morning, I'm buddy on again. Do it. I just followed it. Instead. Go for it. Go for it. I just followed it instead. But um, so the next guy we're gonna go over, Faraz is over it. Uh, we're gonna go over Odo Beckham Jr. Uh, he battled through sports hernia surgery last year. He wasn't healthy throughout the year. All the talk right now is that he's perfectly healthy. He's going to his second year with the team. Um, Stefanski's offensive scheme definitely benefits him more than Jarvis Landry. Um, we saw that last year, how it benefited Stefan Diggs a lot more than it, it benefited Adam Thielen. Even though Jarvis Landry had a ton of success towards the end of the year, uh, I'd, I'd bet on Odo Beckham Jr. being the number one in this offense for many reasons. Maybe we can talk about Jarvis Landry with it, too. Might as well pair these guys. We talked about Lockett and Metcalf. Maybe we can get to Landry a little bit, too. But, um, I mean, Odo Beckham Jr. at his best as a talent. He has pure wide receiver one upside. He's still under 30 years old. Uh, 
Uh, Baker's going to have more time to throw, hopefully with this improved offensive line. The scheme works to his advantage. Second year with the system, healthy per se. So uh, there's there's a lot going right for Odell Beckham Jr. going into this season, a lot more than it was last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, if he can get the targets, and he got the targets last year, it was just it was a lack of production, lack of uh, connection with Baker Mayfield. So if Baker Mayfield can finally take that step up, I think when you see Odell Beckham Jr. being a huge beneficiary of that, uh, I, I think the risk just kind of goes into if he doesn't, right? If Baker can't take that step up, even with all these, with, with that improved offensive line, all the weapons he has. And I, also, I guess, just having all these weapons, like having Landry, who's a target hog, Kareem Hunt, who's going to be a target hog, Austin Hooper, who they grabbed, David Njoku, who's not going to go away. So, I mean, apparently he's not going to go away. Apparently he's a big part of the team, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess there are just some concerns, especially, like, if you got hurt by OBJ last year, if you drafted him early, he probably hurt a lot of people. So, uh, recency bias is going to fall a little later. But, yeah, yeah, I mean. That's why he's being taken so late right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can definitely go back to wide receiver one status. It's just it doesn't hurt to be a little extra careful, too, because I think there was a study about uh, how players are when they come back from sports hernia surgery. And a lot of times they just aren't the same player. So um, I'd be a little worried about his long term value. Plus, I have a buddy of mine, Fantasy Docs, uh, on the draft kit, which you guys can get. DM me if you want to. He did some injury analysis on it, and he put, I, I believe he put Odell Beckham Jr. as a high risk and uh, low performance expectation. And I believe, I'm going to double check on that right now. This is uh, inside information. Yeah, so he put his re injury risk as high, and he put his performance expectation at medium. So uh, not feeling too hot from a doctor's perspective on Odell Beckham Jr. for this year. So just something to add. You know, it's so funny. Like when you when you talk to different doctors, like they say different things. It's it's it's, yeah. it's, it's so interesting to get all these different opinions. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's important to listen to multiple doctors to see what they think. You know, um, for me, like here's the thing with OBJ. Like you're never going to be able to get him at a lower price, yeah. right? For me, when I can get a potential high end RB one or wide receiver one, you know, I'm taking the discount when I can get it, especially when he's still in his prime, right? He's the definition of a post high player along with Juju. You know, it's why we liked Leonard Fournette last season. Like, we knew he was going to be a workhorse back, and he was going at the 3-4 turn, and his he was kind of over those injuries. Um, yeah. And now OBJ is going at the 3-4 turn, right? OBJ was going at the top of the second last year, uh, with with and that was with no inkling of how he was going to do with the Browns and Baker Mayfield. Um, then we find out he was terribly banged up, right? He had a groin injury all year, played mm-hmm. on it, had a bad year. And the recurring strains uh, forced him to get that sports hernia surgery. So um, now, from what from what I've what I've read and from the doctors that I've spoken to, apparently that surgery, you know, it, it does end up like shaving on average a year off a player's career, but it should help him in the short term, you know, in terms of those recurring strains, right? Um, and you know, he looks to be healthy going into this year. Jarvis Landry's injury might take him into August. Yeah. You know, even September, uh, because in his words, like he didn't have access to everything he needed uh, for a normal rehab because of quarantine uh, and because he wants to keep family safe and all that kind of stuff. So now, despite all of his issues last year, OBJ's issues, like his his down year was a 74 catch, a thousand yard season. Right. Uh, the issue with OBJ is his offense. Right. I think, you know, w- when Kevin Stefanski was the offensive coordinator of the Vikings, you know, he was very run heavy. Right. And I think some of that might have been because Mike Zimmer, like, wanted a complete 180 from John D. Filippo. 
right? Yeah. So we can see more of a balance, right? I think you know we we want we think it's going to be like ridiculously run heavy, but it might be a little bit more balanced than we think, right? The thing is when you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, right, leaning heavily on your running backs doesn't seem like a terrible idea, right? I I do still think that OBJ has a ton of upside now that he's healthy and the offseason work he's been putting in, um, you know, to get back to an ideal spot as a whole rather than just like doing this patchwork that he's been doing over the last couple of years. And according to him, he should have had the surgery before last season. Right. Yeah. Um, now uh, I know, you, you know, you talked about Juju in your last wide receiver episode. <clears throat> I think Juju is a little safer, right? I, I, they're going very close to each other, almost back to back. And he's playing on the slot, big Ben coming back. I think he's due for a bounce back in a pass heavy offense. Right. Uh, this might be a potential run heavy offense in Cleveland it scares me a little bit. You know, if Jarvis Landry is healthy enough to play, like you said, you know, target share might not be as, like, top-heavy as we like, right? We always want that distribution to be, like, top-heavy, right? Um, and we saw that with Thielen and Diggs last year where it wasn't really top-heavy, you know, um, and that could be an issue. But, like I said, like, if, if OBJ drops a little bit, you know, you kind of got to evaluate the receivers. You know, if he drops, like, early fourth round, I think you're doing yourself a disservice by not chasing that upside. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like having guys like Odo Beckham Jr. in the fourth, Juju in the late third, Terry in the fifth, DK in the fifth, Tyler Lockett late. Mm-hmm. These are the reasons we want to go running back very early this Michael year specifically. Gallup. Michael Gallup. <laughs> We're both itching to talk about Gallup. <laughs> I think I think we like we, we like Gallup so much that he's just going to be in every episode, like no matter what. Like, no matter what position we're talking about, it doesn't matter. <laughs> talk about like what do you think about Landry though? Like, do you think Landry can? Yeah. Do you, so, do you think, do you think there's going to be a big difference in target share between Landry and OBJ this year? Because last year it was almost identical. Yeah. Um. And that was with Landry, you know. Yeah, also, second half of the year, Landry was the wide receiver too. Right. So he blew up with uh, Baker in the second half of the year. Um, now, if, if we look at what Stefanski did last year with his slot guy, Adam Thielen, he kind of pushed him to the outside more. They did more 12 personnel. Yes. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved to more of that this year with David Njoku and Austin Hooper, which is what they said they want to do. So um, it's going to be interesting to see where Landry fits in. He had offseason hip surgery, and he may not be ready for the start of the season. He may be on the pup list. So that's going to take his value down. That is um, a great that's a great point you just made. And I just want to like highlight what you just said about the 12 personnel thing yeah. where the reason why they traded for Austin Hooper, right. Is because like, we'll sign it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. The, the, the reason why they signed Austin Hooper when they already had David yeah, Joku is because they want to run two tight ends. They mm-hmm. want to run 12 personnel. That's what they did over in, in Minnesota where they re-signed Kyle Rudolph, even though they had this young, awesome tight end in yep. Irv Smith. Um, where they didn't necessarily need need uh, Kyle Rudolph anymore, right? Um, they could have moved on, but they gave him a big contract. Um, so it's something similar here where if they're going to do that, then Land- there is no slot wide receiver in 12 personnel. There's two tight ends on the field, so Landry's going to have to move to the outside more. Yeah, but I, I, I bring this up every time, but even last year when the Vikings went uh, 12 personnel, I think they only ran it 38% of the time. So he's still going to have, like, I think they ran the most, uh, 12, this came from uh, Nick Ercolano at BDGE, but um, I believe it was that they ran 38% of the time, they were, ran 12, you're going to fact check me. I'm 100% sorry. <laughs> but uh, I believe it was most in the league and it was 38%. If I'm wrong, correct me. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Nick. I might have heard it wrong. <laughs> but so, point being, I think see. he's still going to have opportunity in the slot. 
Um, so Minnesota ran three wide receivers only 25% of the time last year. Which is very low. 12%. So, and they ran two wide receivers. Um, they ran two, two wide receivers 45% of the time. 12 personnel, 34% of the time. So you were right about 34. that. Okay. Right, so you were right about the 12 yeah. personnel thing. But, but still, two wide receivers is interesting because when you have yes. two wide receivers, it could be two running backs or exactly. extra so offensive linemen, whatever it is. You have 12 personnel and you have 21 personnel. And if yeah. if you if people don't know what that means, is because like basically what that means is how many running backs you have on the field, how many tight ends you have on the field. So 12 personnel means one running back, two tight ends. 21 personnel means two running backs, uh, one tight end. But when that when when you're adding that extra tight end or extra running back on the field, you're taking away a wide receiver, right? So Three wide receiver, least in the league, 25%. So yeah. if, he bring, if he brings that to Cleveland, mm-hmm. to Cleveland, and they're running only 25% in three wide, that means that Jarvis Landry might not have a huge opportunity in the slot next year. Now, now um, I'm interested by this now. How, how much did they run 21 personnel? 21 personnel, 21%. <laughs> 21% of the time they ran. So 21%. we can see a lot of Chubb and Hunt on the field too. That's interesting. Yeah. Very interesting, dude, and that's why Hunt's Hunt's a great pick, man. Like I love him in the fifth round. Yeah, you we know? talked we talked about Hunt last year. Oh yeah, I'm last year, Hunt. last week, we we're all over Hunt. But um, you know, yeah, it's, so, it's I mean, so it's so funny. Um, I posted a mock draft yesterday on my Instagram, uh-huh. and and like when I posted my fifth round pick, came in. I had to I had to just say that hey, Hunt was taken. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Hunt was you taken. Know, guys, don't worry. If you're wondering why I chose this guy, it's because Hunt was already taken. <laughs> so like I'm all over that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so. Uh, 25, 25% in three wide, 34% in 12 personnel, 21% in 21 personnel. So, so a combined 45% in two wide, and then you add another 11%, 19% in one wide receiver sets. You know what I'm saying? That's well, a lot, dude. I think that's when, um, Adam Thielen was hurt. Stephon this Diggs was, was it, it was spread out. It was spread out throughout. Wow. throughout. Yeah, it was spread out. And, Interesting. And, and the reason why they did that is because they ran the ball a lot. Yeah. Right? So you don't necessarily have a one wide receiver on the field if you're going to pass the ball, right? But they went heavy. They went jumbo. They they, they, they did a lot of heavy. Probably ball. extra O-line. Um, exactly. Extra tight, tight ends. ends. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. that's the way to do it. But – um. Yeah, so I mean that could really decrease Landry's value alone. Not even talking about just his injury. Even I mean he, obviously he has that established connection with Baker, and that could be huge for him. So I, I don't think. He's but you know what? It's a great conversation here. because now I like OBJ even more. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> cool. See, guys, we're learning too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. This is such a learning <laughs> process. Like no doubt about it, man. No doubt. I, I think the, I think a lot of people say it right. The the best way to learn is to try to teach, right? So like okay. when you're forming your, because it forces you to like take a deep dot deeper yeah. dive when you're trying to explain something to other people. Um. So yeah. So this is awesome. Yeah. I, mean, I I love I love that people got a got a, a chance to look at how we like form our opinions. You know what I mean? Like it, just right here in the podcast. <laughs> By the way, I don't I don't want to shit on anybody else's podcast, but I I took some time this week to listen to some other ones and it's just like so much grazing over like important details. Right. Just like missing key information, not talking about certain guys. Like well, there was I'll say one... this. I'll say this. Like I think we delve into a lot of detail. Like sometimes more detail than people want. Like yeah. like there are some people who are listening right now who are just like, can you please move on to the next guy? Yeah, we're almost forty <laughs> minutes uh, on the recording here, and I think we've been over like three players. So. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the next guy. But anyway, no, it was good. Good comment. Anyway. anyway. 
Yeah. <laughs> so we got Landry out of the way. We got OBJ out of the way. Uh, next guy I want to talk about, Stefan Diggs. Um, I had him at 19 before. I obviously moved Terry and DK up, so Diggs has fallen to 21 for me. Uh, a lot of people are on the Diggs hate train. I don't hate him this year. I definitely don't hate him. Uh, but he's going to finally have the opportunity to be the bona fide wide receiver one on his team. And that's that's going to be huge for him. John Brown was a top 20 wide receiver last year. Uh, he, he had some big games, even with Josh Allen. And I think with Diggs, obviously an upgrade over John Brown. Did I say, did I say Josh Allen was a top 20 wide receiver? I don't know. Who was it? No, you said John Brown. Okay, I feel like I just, okay. Uh, John Brown is a top 20 wide receiver, and there's no reason Diggs can't also be that type of player. Um, so obviously Diggs route running is going to make life for Josh Allen a lot easier. You can line Diggs up anywhere on the field. He could play in the slot if he needs to, play on the outside. Wherever he needs to fit in, he can do that. And um, a lot of people are saying, because John Brown is there, John Brown has that connection with him, watch out for John Brown. But John Brown's never been a high-volume guy. Uh, I, I think he can have successful games as the number two on the opposite side of the field against number two corners instead of number one corners. But I don't think it's really going to make that much of a difference. He'll see less target volume for sure. I think Cole Beasley is going to see a dip in target uh, targets as well. I think they both had like uh, almost over 100 targets last year. I forget how much it was. But um, they both had a good amount of targets. I think they're both going to go down a little bit. Diggs is going to go a little up. It's going to be run-heavy offense. An interesting tidbit here for people worried about John Brown. I want to see how this opt-out situation works for the players for this season with COVID. Because John Brown, as we know, has the sickle cell issue, right? And this is one of the reasons that he's been uh, pretty injury-prone throughout his career. It could be something we've talked about this, I think, way in the past to where um, every injury for him takes longer for him to recover and it puts him at more risk. So having like a strain could take him out a couple weeks instead of one week where he may not be able to play through certain injuries. He was able to stay healthy last year and that's good. When he stays healthy, he blows up. He's a fantastic player, but interesting to see with this sickle cell issue with maybe he opts out of the season. And this is not, I'm not relying on this in my analysis. I'm not, I'm not putting that as a reason why I like Stefan Diggs. It's just an interesting tidbit because uh, Mark Andrews, he has uh, type 1 diabetes, but he said he's already going to play this season. But um, for something like sickle cell, he could be at much more risk if he gets COVID. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, just a little interesting a, tidbit on top of that. That's something I didn't think about, man. I, th- I, I think that's a very valid thing to talk about, right? Um and, you know, it's it's weird, like, talking about people's health in that sense to, like, f- forecast fantasy projections, <laughs> right? It's, like, weird. Uh, and, like, I don't know. But at the same time, it's it's something to talk about, man. Because, like, I just Googled that, like, while you were talking. And, like, sickle cell, like, you know, there are people, you know, it's a, it's, I think it's, like, a, uh, a disease where, you know, your immune system. Red blood cells is, or something. Yeah, it's a blood disease, right? Or blood condition. Yeah. Um, so there is an uh, increased increased risk for people who have it have sickle cell. Um, so that that's an interesting point because and usually it runs in the family too. So I don't know if any right. of his family members, you know, that's something yeah. you want to think about too. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm staying away from John Brown this year. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's 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 going to be interesting, man. That's a good point. Um, so 
like as far as Diggs goes, like he might be the best route runner in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he has a true number one. I think he goes in and gets the largest target share of any wide receiver on that team. Um, John Brown was averaging 7.7 targets a game last year, right? Mm-hmm. Which is great, like which is fine. Like I think Diggs will assume at least that, right? But where does John Brown go? Like you know, let's say he's healthy and all that. What? But John Brown, you know, he's also He's also one of the best route runners in the league as well, right? He's mm-hmm. going to continue to get open against number two corners now, like you said, instead of those number one corners that Diggs will now see, right? Um, now, there's a year rapport already built with Josh Allen and John Brown. I don't know how much work Diggs and Allen were able to get in this offseason. Uh, but what I'm suggesting is that, you know, assuming John Brown's healthy and all that, is that there might not be this huge delta between Diggs and John Brown, right? Right yeah. now, the ADP is seven rounds. <laughs> Right. And and Buffalo threw the ball 33 times a game last season. Right. That ranked 21st. So when you look at who they have, they have Diggs, they have Brown, they have Beasley. Uh, they added Zach Moss to pound the rock. And then Singletary himself was getting like, you know, five, six, seven targets sometimes. Right. In, in games last season. Um, so I think Diggs is going to have his games, but I don't know if the upside is that huge for him. Right. He killed it last year on like such limited volume. Yeah. Right. And he could do the same this year. Um, I, I don't know that Diggs gets to take advantage, though, of his full skill set. Right now, his elite route running is going to help Allen. Like where Allen succeeds is in like the short to intermediate part of the field. Like everyone talks about his big, you know, big, arm, big arm. But like when he holds on to the ball, like that's where he gets into trouble. Right. And that's why we haven't seen him be super successful on those long bombs just yet, yeah. even though he that's his best like skill, if yeah. that makes sense right um but like i think where he's going to be good is like getting rid of the ball quickly and that's why that's why the buffalo bills like invested in guys who are great route runners because they can separate and on those short to intermediate patterns like allen can hit them right now here's the thing right josh allen only threw for three thousand yards last year and he played all 16 games three thousand yards is like super low that's 193 passing yards per game. Yeah, under like, 200 you know, yards a game. Do you know a quarterback who had less passing yards per game than him? Mason Rudolph had less nice. passing yards than him. Dwayne Haskins had less passing yards than him. Devlin Hodges had less passing yards than him per game. But that's about it. So that's not good. You know what I mean? Um, it's going to be a run-heavy offense. So uh, it's tough for me. I think Diggs' price isn't bad because you're, you're kind of getting an elite yeah, receiver. I think he's in the sixth part. round. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, but like, if McLaurin is there or some someone like that, like I might mm-hmm. lean in that direction because I know the target share is going to be there on a more, you know, not a, not on not a run heavy offense. So it's gonna be, it's interesting. I love Diggs as a player. Like I really love him as a player. But I don't know if his situation is amazing. I don't hate him. Like you said, hate's a strong mm-hmm. word, but it's tough for me to like kind of, you know, draft him. Uh, you know, and, and depend on him. Every week. And it's it's going to be interesting because I mean he had under 200 passing yards per game like you said in 3,000 yards. Oh, here it comes. There it is. Yeah. We got to keep a yawn counter. I got to figure out how to edit videos. Like, people listen to us about to fall asleep because they keep hearing you yawn, man. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, let's get more lively up in here. Um, that probably hurt some people's ears, but so I mean, w- with. A guy like Diggs, with a guy like John Brown, with Dawson Knox maybe taking a step up, with Cole Beasley on the field, with all these guys, I, I would think John Josh Allen's playing 16 games. He'll have at least over 3,500 uh, 3, yards. Right. That's what I'm hoping. That's what you're hoping when you see all these weapons in that offense. But it's, and it's, also, still, it's still not a lot. It's still not <laughs> a lot. 
Still not a lot, but right. 500 more yards and right. taking some away from the other players could be just enough. I'm just hoping that, like, like 500 more yards, I just give those 500 to Dix. Like, that's like, that's like, that's what, that's what I'm like. Because <laughs> you think about, like, I, I, I got to look at what, um, let me pull up my handy dandy sheet here. So, Cole Beasley had 11.6 yards per reception last year, and John Brown was at 14.7. So you have a guy like Diggs who can be another deep threat. I mean, taking some extra passes. I, I think he can, you know, he can raise that yardage a little bit. Dawson Knox, yeah. uh, he can be a short to intermediate guy, but we saw him catch some deep passes too. And I think the reason that you invest so heavily in a guy like Stefan Diggs is that you want Josh Allen to unleash his big arm. We want to see him use his arm more than he has been because that's his best quality. So why not, you know, have guys that allow him to use it? So, um, yeah, I think Diggs is a perfect fit, right, as far as volume and everything. We'll have to see how that plays out. But as far as fit, I love it. And I think that wide receiver core they have in Buffalo went from meh to pretty good, especially yeah, last year. Like, like, the season, you're like, like, when you have a young quarterback, yeah, when you have a young quarterback, this is how you help them, right? Yep. You put weapons around them. Right, and you you get you have a running game around them. Like that's that's what the formula is. So the formula is good, but the, the quarterback, whether he's going to be good, is up in the air. But they're giving him every chance to succeed there. Yeah. So next guy I want to talk about. We're just going to go straight into this. Uh, Keenan Allen. He had 150 targets last year. And look, if he sees that type of volume, no matter who's at quarterback, he could easily be a wide receiver too. It's not going to be a pretty wide receiver too. It could be low end wide receiver too. But um, the talent's definitely not in question. He's similar to Diggs, one of the better, if not one of the best, route runners in the league. It's probably him and Diggs, like at the top. Yeah, you know, him and Diggs, and Judy's gonna join that list soon. Oh, but, um, <laughs> he's a piece. But um, look, if it's Tyrod at quarterback, it's gonna be a little messy. But if Herbert comes in, I, I think is you know who he's gonna lean on is gonna be Allen. One of the wide receivers he's going to look for because Mike Williams you, is going to be You better lean on Allen, dude. Like, if, you yeah. cut, if you're a quarterback and Allen's on your team, you better lean on him. Absolutely. Okay. And even with Tyrod, I mean, if he does, if he sees like five, six catches a game, I, I have enough faith in Allen as a receiver to where he can still give you value. And Allen's been good in the end zone, too. I remember, I think it was last year or the year before, it was in the fantasy playoffs where. Allen made – he got hurt on the play. I think he got a hit pointer. But he went up and he made this spectacular catch, and he caught this touchdown. He landed right on his hip. He basically, like, sacrificed his body. Like, if yeah. you ever played soccer, that's what they tell you to do as a goalie. They say, like, sacrifice your body, do whatever you can, as long as you stop the goal. So for a guy like Allen to get up, sacrifice his body, make the catch, get the touchdown, out of the game with a hit pointer. I mean, he's great in the end zone, and he's a very, very talented receiver. So – it's, was that the um, game where was that the game where Michael Williams just went off? Like was that the three touchdown game? 39 40 points. Yep. Yep. I remember that. I think that was the first quarter Allen caught that touchdown. Yep. One catch, I remember that. Touchdown. You know why? I will never forget that game. Cuz I started wow. Allen I had Mike Williams on my bench. Yeah, I'll never forget it because I had a buddy in my league uh they were in the playoffs and he ended up starting Mike Williams because he was in a, he was in a bind at wide receiver and he just went for it and it worked out. Those are the type of people he, that he ended up winning the league that year. That, that's yep. how it goes you just end up <laughs> like that yep. but um yeah point being like there's obviously obvious concerns at the quarterback position but if he's seeing close to 150 targets again this year which i don't see a reason he wouldn't 
they haven't exactly added anyone. They still have Austin Eckler there, who's going to be a big part of that passing game. Uh, they still have Mike Williams, who I think, if anything, could see a decreased role. Hunter Henry's there, but they don't really have a third wide receiver. And Allen's going to be on the field at all times. So um, he's been healthy the last couple of years. That was a concern a couple of years ago, but he's past that now. He had a lot of freak injuries, but he's healthy. So a healthy, talented wide receiver who could see up to 150 targets, that alone should be wide receiver two territory. Quarterback yeah. situation, it's going to figure itself out. It's just about where Allen is going. I think he's going in the fourth, fifth round. Isn't so, that a good uh, value for him, though? You know what I'm saying? Like, don't yeah. you think that for someone like him, like, it's he's kind of being undervalued a little bit? And even even with no offseason, like, virtually, like, let's say if Tyrod Taylor is benched after two weeks and there's Justin Herbert for four weeks. And if Justin Herbert plays like a decent quarterback, how we've seen rookie quarterbacks do in the past, especially towards the end of the year. I, we, we talked about, like, Allen, I don't know if we've talked about it. I would say we talked about it. Like we, mm-hmm. At some point, probably did. But um, Allen usually picks it up in the second half of the year. And right. rookie quarterbacks also tend to pick it up in the second half of the year. So if they both click at the same time, it could be insane value if when you really need him the most. So, uh, I mean, that's just not any – no build behind that. But still just interesting to note. A talented wide receiver, you got to take a chance at him at some point. Yeah, this one was tough for me. Like when I'm like when I really looked into it, like where to put him. Um, like he's arguably a top five, like I don't know, top seven wide receiver in the league, and now he's paying with being paired up with Tyrod. Right, Tyrod hasn't had any amazing wide receivers in his career. Uh, he had Sammy Watkins in his prime for a bit, but he was in and out of the lineup with injuries. Um, you know, he had Robert Woods, uh, but one can argue that Woods just wasn't as good uh, when he was with Buffalo. Um, yeah. But Woods was a first-round pick, right, or second-round pick. Um, but Allen, Allen plays about uh, 50% of his snaps from the slot, right? So that'll benefit both him and Tyron. Um, Allen, you know, he's one of the best route runners and separators in the league, and it's possible, you know, that Tyron does give him the elite volume that he deserves as the number one. You know, top five yards per route run from the slot, uh, top 15 yards per route run overall. Um, I like it's hard. It's hard because like I don't want to overthink this one, right? I think he's still a value, right? Like yeah. I'm not gonna draft like Marquise Good. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna draft Marquise Brown Hollywood over him, for example, right? And they're going like similar spots, right? In the fifth mm-hmm. round, I think he's an amazing value. Um, he's averaging 100 receptions over the last two seasons, over the last three seasons, right? He operates in the in the area of the field that I think Tyrod will be fine completing balls to. So, um, you know, he's been a PPR wide receiver one each of the last three seasons, and now he's a borderline wide receiver two, wide receiver three, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I'm with that. You know, he has a QB downgrade, but I don't think it's going to be that bad. Um, The offense is still going to be focused on getting him the ball, I think. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and just because Tyrod never had anyone like Allen doesn't mean that it should downgrade Allen that much, right? Um, Shane Steichen, I think that's how you say his name, he took over over as offensive coordinator after they fired Ken Woodson last year. Um, and then after that point, Allen actually became more consistent. You know, he had the last, out of the last eight games, he had at least five receptions in seven of them, right? And uh, in the first eight games with Wizenhunt as OC, he only had four games out of the eight with five receptions or more. So if there's less of a chance of Allen getting lost in the shuffle with this new offensive coordinator, I'm with that. And I think he made it known, like, hey, we got to get Allen the ball. So I'm hoping that they can continue that. And it's tough to it's tough to picture Allen being healthy and finishing anything less than a wide receiver too. 
Yeah, and even on top of that, I can't imagine with Tyrod Taylor, even with Tyrod Taylor quarterback, with that running back room, with Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, that this is a rush-heavy team. Right. Right, because I mean, who's they going to have to pound the rock? Like exactly. Josh, Joshua Kelly, they're going to rely on him that early. Jackson's short leash. I, I think they're going to run a, and they were pretty pass heavy last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and their defense isn't good. Um, so I, I defense think, is great. I don't think the Chargers' defense is going to be good this year, man. I mean, I, I think their secondary um, gets banged up a little bit. Every year we see that we're secondary banged up a little bit. They do have they do have a decent pass rush. They but got Chris Harris you saw, now. But you saw last year where you know they were they were at, at end of games they would have to like rip the pass like they have to pass like crazy at the end to try to catch up, and because their defense might not have 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 made a stop that they were supposed to or or whatever the case may be, and that's why their volume in the their passing volume was so high. You know they didn't have to do that last year, um, yeah. but I think what you, what I think you made a good point though, as far as like them passing the ball more because of the lack of running backs that they have. I think they're gonna like kind of like uh, have their run game through the pass a little bit, if that makes sense. They're gonna have a lot of short intermediate throws to guys like Eckler um, and even to guys like Keenan Allen running out of the slot. Um, so that's how they're gonna get those like four, five, six, seven yard. Um, completions right and instead of running the ball they, they would just do that yeah and i mean the chargers defense i just want to hit on it real quick i mean they're great all across the board um they they have some health issues i agree but they have melvin ingram they have joey bosa on that d-line uh, i think they got another defensive tackle this year who was on limbo joseph yep. so they got limbo joseph on that d-line linebacker groups a little concerning but they just trapped kenneth murray they traded up for him for a reason they were lacking that department if he shows up it could be good but that secondary they got chris harris who they just signed um if casey hayward's on the field he's one of the best corners in the league as well um they have uh what's his name the hell's it desmond king desmond king is one of the other corners that slot corner who played fantastic um nickel corner i guess he would call it call them slot corner uh, you have derwin james in this as a safe like they have all these great pieces and i think right. that you know i i just want to put that out there if you guys are looking for a defense the draft chargers could be it and derwin james missed like almost all of last year and, 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 and back and, it wasn't the same player either and when you're drafting these defenses like when you're looking at uh a pass rush like like they have like that's what you're looking for right you want to you want to draft if you're going to have a defense and start them you want a defense that is going to be able to uh get sacks right because the sacks, yeah. the, the sacks lead to turnovers right and they lead yeah. to touchdowns so that's that's kind of how i would look at it yeah they, they got good pieces all around so just wanted to bring that up but yeah so that's enough on key now and um next guy i want to bring up Devonte parker and i know this is your guy you made a post about him a couple of days ago about yep. how he why he could continue his uh breakout so i'll let you lead on this one but i do think that he can continue his breakout in 2020 uh chan Gailey, his new offensive coordinator has a tendency to have a top heavy approach and we talked about this before right we, we want a top heavy approach when it comes to target distribution right and for him it's specifically been his ex receiver and if he has a slight t- slot tight end, then he'll use him as well. I think Parker continues to man the X, uh, XY receiver spot with Preston Williams coming off that uh, November ACL injury. Um, you know, I have to note you have to note that Williams Preston Williams was the X before he got hurt last year. 
Uh, but Parker, he assumed that role once Williams went down. So, but you know, with the breakout, I think Parker keeps that role, right? Um, he's being drafted as a wide receiver three right now in the sixth round, and I'm all about that value, right? Like, dude was the wide receiver two after Fitzpatrick took over, and there's a yeah. good chance that Fitzpatrick continues to be the starter, right? He's been Chan Gailey's starter in 72 of his last 80 games, like Chan Gailey in his last 80 games. And those have been Fitzpatrick's best years, too. Yeah, and that, that that has been Fitzpatrick's best years. Four of those years were his best years. So uh, it's safe to say that he's very familiar with the system, right? When you consider the limited time rookies are going to get this offseason or got already this offseason, like, it's going to be very tough to convince me that Tua is going to get the gig early <clears> in the year. It's very possible that he gets it a little bit later. Uh, but I think the upside with Parker, like especially where he's going, you're kind of drafting him at his floor, and I think the upside is pretty high. And then the potential target volume is elite, right? If you look at like some of these guys, like I mentioned, uh, Dwayne Bowe, like 150 targets, uh, freaking, uh, who else? There was a, a couple of guys who like had a ridiculous amount of With the jets, Brandon Marshall, when he was like over 30, 175 targets or something crazy when he was like 32. Eric Decker, also over 30. <laughs> yeah. And he, Eric Decker played the slot, right? So, um, it's going to be something similar with, with Gusecki, uh, playing in the slot. So it, I, I'm, Stevie I'm, Johnson? Stevie Johnson, that's the other one. He had like 150 targets, 145 targets, something like that. Um, Stevie Johnson, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, it's very possible that Devontae Parker gets this huge uh, target volume this year. Yeah, and him. what's interesting about that is when you when you bring in a guy like uh, Chan Gailey, who has familiarity with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's the main reason you bring him in. Like, you bring him in because of the veteran experience as a coach. He's an older guy. But you also bring him in because of his connection with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So when you do that, you're not gonna you don't say, oh, two is gonna start week one. Like they're they're gonna let especially with no off season, no like they're starting training camp soon, exactly. but he's all not gonna have any preseason games, like exactly. he's all coming off crazy injury. Yeah. So I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick starts at least eight games. Um could be even more. I could it could be ten six, it could be yeah. Towards the end of the year, maybe they're not in playoff range. They just let Tua play, like we saw with uh, Drew Locke last year. Maybe they'll let Tua play at the end of the year. Or maybe but, um, if Fitzpatrick just, like, plays terribly. You know what I'm saying? That's another yeah. way that... It's know, not impossible. Yeah, it's not impossible that he plays just, like, shit. You know, he's Fitzpatrick has, has had those down years. Um, and it's possible. But it, it's it's one of those situations where, like, he's he's done well in the system before. So, it's, yeah. he's, he, he, and we all know he's a smart guy. You can't bring up Fitzpatrick without talking about Harvard. Um, and I just did it right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, had to. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I think he'll be fine. I think Fitz, I think Parker with Fitzpatrick as well, like, will be just fine. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know when Parker was being drafted last year, but I want to say it was, like, eighth, ninth round. <laughs> was so it fact, that? Was it even that early? Can, honestly, can I I'm not sure. I'm, yeah, go check. I'm just so um, curious. I, I would. I'm gonna say he was being drafted in like the 13th round. I'm gonna say ninth. I'm gonna say ninth. Okay, let's see. I'm gonna go to 20. I'm gonna go to 20. Watch be like undrafted. Uh, yeah, it's very possible. Um, let's see, Parker. Um, undrafted. Actually. Undrafted. Undrafted last year. Yep. He was going past. Well, undrafted meaning in 12 team PPR leagues, he was going after the 15th round, which means that he was undrafted. Let's see if he was being drafted in 14 team leagues. Um, I doubt it. Uh, no. 
Yeah, so this is a guy who went from undrafted, and because of recency bias, he's going towards the end of the sixth round, even though he was the wide receiver two in the second half of the year. Not much has changed in his situation. If anything, he can continue what he did early on. So uh, a lot to like about Parker. Great value if you're getting him in the sixth round. Another guy here, Cortland Sutton, right? So we talked about Drew Locke before. Originally, I was really high on the Drew Locke train. I was, uh, I had him as a top 15 quarterback. I said, you know, like he's got all these weapons around him. He's got all the tools he needs to succeed. <laughs> but there's no guarantee he takes that next step, especially yes. with no preseason, not much time to get rapport with his receivers or his new weapons. So I, I do have concerns about Locke. He was inconsistent even at Mizzou. So th- there's a lot to be concerned with Locke. He- he's got a great arm. Cortland Sutton's numbers actually dropped with Locke uh, a good amount, and he actually dropped when Manuel Sanders left the team as well. So with Jerry Judy there, I and look, I, I'm a full believer on Jerry Judy's talent. Jerry Judy is going to be one of the best wide receivers in the 2020 decade, and I'm going to I'm going to say that now. He's I'll say he will be the best. Put your stick in the receiver. ground, Joey. Put your stake in the ground. Mm. But <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry, Joey, Judy. That's, that's gonna be your new nickname. Jerry, Joey, Judy. Jer- oh, I can't even say it. It's Jerry, Joey, Jerry, Joey, Judy. Jerry, Joey, Judy. But or, or Joey, Jerry, Judy. Joey, Jerry, Judy. Joey, like Judy. I'll figure it out. I, I'm all on board in the Judy train, and I, I think th- there's a world where Judy is the wide receiver one of this team, and we talk about, um having good route running ability helps translate to the NFL like so much. It, it helps. It's creates such a smooth transition. We can see Jerry Judy having year one value. And and the fact that he might line up in the slot <laughs> yep. gives him even more of a chance to be productive in year one. Yeah. And I mean, I think Cortland Sutton's still going to have those big games and the talent alone merits like Cortland Sutton's he, you know, he's not some guy in the background. Like he's a talented exactly. wide receiver as well. So I, I have him at a low wide receiver two value, and depending on where you can get him, he could be a good value. It's just when I'm drafting and I see Cortland Sutton on the board, I see Devontae Parker, I see Keenan Allen, yes. I see Stefan Diggs, it's, I'm, I'm picking Sutton last out of that group. Exactly. I, I'm totally with you. Um, I see a scenario where I pick him over those guys. 100%. And it's tough. Like this, I, I, think I, I'm, I think both of us are having a hard time evaluating Sutton and his value. Um, and the reason why it's tough is because like, I like Sutton a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, he's a good wide receiver. He's, he might be like a legit wide receiver one on a team, yeah. uh, but there's a chance that the target distribution that isn't that top heavy, you know, and I'm not finding him on a lot of my teams. Um, Noah Fant can take a step forward, right? He had a great year, right? As a rookie, uh, Melvin Gordon will have some of that share. Jerry Judy's going to have some of that. KJ Hamler, honestly, is underrated. Uh, probably would be on the Second outside. Round. Yeah, he probably will be on the outside potentially if he can ramp up, but I wouldn't be surprised if because of the limited offseason, Tim Patrick is still on the outside ahead of him. Um, And, like, I like Hamler. Like, I think he's an underrated rookie to look out for in Dynasty, by the way. Like, he broke out at 19. Like, he's a guy that I would look at. If if Drew Locke, you know, is the truth, like, if he comes out and, like, you know, over the next couple years he becomes a good quarterback, I think um, there's a good chance that KJ Hamler has a fantasy-relevant career. Um, and this wide receiver trio can become something, you know what I'm saying? Like it's very possible, but anyway, back to Sutton, I think, you know, um, if you have a second year jump from Drew Locke, you, you, that's kind of what you're depending on for Sutton to take a step forward. Um, you know, he played like, I think Drew Locke played well, but we need to know that he's going to lock in on Sutton. And I'm not uh, sure if we know that. Puns. 
I, I didn't get it. What, uh, did I do something there? You said lock in on Sun. Dude, I love it. Good, good stuff, man. That's why I keep you around, bro. You did it. Um, <laughs> I did it, bro. <laughs> I did it. But I have no idea. <laughs> um, good stuff. Sutton didn't have any double-digit target games until Locke was the guy, though. Right? That, that's an interesting thing. Like, he averaged 9.3 targets in the last three games. Um, his production was down, but the targets were there. Um, and that was with only with Fant averaging slightly more than two targets per game. Right? <laughs> so, like, I don't think that's going to be... That's going to change a little hurt. bit. In that span too. Yeah, and I, I think that's going to change, right? Fan isn't going to get just two targets a game, yeah, right? Yeah. That's not what they they got him for. Um, Sutton's being taken late fifth, so if guys like like you said, McLaurin, Keenan Allen, if they're gone, like he's an option because that's a bit of a no man's land for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, I like a guy like DeAndre Swift, right, might be available there. Like, and I look at his upside. I'd rather even take DeAndre Swift maybe like over Court and Sutton, you know. Uh, just because of the upside and the fact that like I'd rather take a running back at that spot. So I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna have a lot of Sutton on my, on my teams this year. It's just even though the value is like later, it just comes to a point where like why would we pick Sutton if you could wait a round or two later and get our guy Michael who now Gallup. we get to talk about Michael Gallup. So we've been waiting to talk about this guy. Uh, you can get Michael Gallup in the seventh round. I got him as my wide receiver three in the throne league. Um you know, potential huge value in that range. So who was the true wide receiver one in Dallas last year? When you look at who had more targets per game, it was Gallup, right? And look at, he had over 1,100 yards last year, which a lot of people don't know. Um, Gallup was dealt with injuries just as Cooper did. Uh, He missed a couple games and he fell a little short in the touchdown department, but overall he was a reliable week-to-week wide receiver. And he put up wide receiver two numbers towards the end of the year. And I know there's all this talk about C.D. Lamb coming in. But look, without preseason, much of an, you have to downgrade all these rookies, right? We have to downgrade all these rookies without a preseason, without much of an offseason program. So I don't think C.D. is going to come in year one and demand all that much. Um, I, I think it's still going to be Cooper and Gallup as those one and two. And there's 166 vacated targets for Blake Jarwin and C.D. to share. And Jarwin had some targets last year. So, you know, even if even if 100 of those targets go to CD, like there's still plenty for all of these wide receivers to thrive on the team. And, um, yeah, so I think Gallup easily can be wide receiver to high wide receiver to value. He could be, uh, I mean, the seventh round. It's not like a sexy pick. You're not like, oh, I'm going to take gallop here like oh i'm excited you know just drafted cd land this is great but like for me for me that's sexy that's <laughs> drafting gallop i feel sexy feel so sexy so sexy <laughs> my girlfriend's out of the room and be like what are you talking about sexy <laughs> who are you talking about jake who? jake from state farm jake from state farm there it is for us from <laughs> upper hand well, <laughs> yeah, man, I love Gallup's price, dude. Like, he's on almost all of my teams. Like, in every mock that I've ever I've done this offseason. He's going at the end of the seventh. Easy pick for me right there. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 33, right? And even though the Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb, the Cowboys have the second most vacated targets, like you said, because of Witten and Cobb leaving. Um, and Gallup was already averaging almost 80 receiving yards per game last year. He had more 10 target games than Cooper did. And he played two less games than Cooper did. So... If he didn't tear his meniscus in week two, like we would be talking about him very differently, I think, you know, yeah. going into this year. Um, I think his production would have been even higher. Um, in the first two weeks before he got hurt, Gallup caught 15 balls for 226 yards, right? He ended the year with, 
he ended the year three of his last four games with 98 yards receiving or more. Um, and then the last game of the season, he had three touchdowns, right, in week 17. So there's a lot of upside with Gallup, and he's being underrated. Um, and uh, and it's funny, like, when you look at who the number one corners have been going on, or who've been matching up with, they've been matching up with Cooper. Even though Gallup yeah. is the X, even though Gallup is the X, he's going to take advantage of those better matchups. And that's fine with me. Like, you know, like, take, like, those corners, go on, go on Cooper, lock him up, and then Gallup will be running free. Um, and then on top of that, Cooper has history struggling with those number one corners. So, yeah. pass-heavy offense, I'm big on Michael Gallup this year. And just because we're big on Gallup doesn't mean – I don't hate Cooper either. We talked right. about Cooper in the first wide receiver episode. He dealt – I think he played through four injuries last year. Who would you, rather, who would you rather draft? <laughs> At their ADP, Gallup, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, but overall, I do have Cooper higher just because yeah. touchdown production, true mm-hmm. wide receiver one on the team. Potentially. I mean, we don't know if that's exactly true. Right. But, um, yeah, value-wise, I would take Michael Gallup and a heartbeat. It's not even yeah. close. Because the, the difference between them isn't that high. And then there's also not – there's also a small chance that Gallup, you know, has more production this year. Yeah, and I, I think Gallup could be the one that we see playing the slot more. I think we could see CD move to the outside and maybe Gallup in the – that slot be, could have some success. That would be even better. But I personally think CD is going to play in the slot this year only because they want to get the most production possible from a rookie. And I think just playing in the slot just like eases that transition immensely. Yeah, it could. I can yeah. see it. We'll, we'll see, though. But it's good to something to pay attention to. You want to know who's playing in the slot. They have three very yeah. capable wide receivers. So you want to know who's you – know, you know, honestly, who I think would be ideal in the slot? Amari Cooper. Yeah. His production has been – is night and day in the slot versus the outside. And the fact that he struggles sometimes against press and all that, like, I honestly think that um, he would be amazing in the slot. It's really interesting because, like, we're talking about all these three who could potentially play in the slot. All of them. They're all versatile, great receivers. It's a great room. And then we haven't even mentioned Mike McCarthy. I don't know why I'm holding a pen. I just like to play with things. No, I think you should just, like, put it in your ear. Like, that would be a dope look. What's his name, Matt Patricia? Always has a pencil in his ear. Like, I wonder if he ever takes it out. The beard is getting close to that. My stomach's also getting close to that too. But um, <laughs> my stomach's also getting close to Mike McCarthy, who is going to potentially call more passing plays this year as yeah. well. I mean, that's something that they uh, they wanted to do last year. I think he still had under 600 pass attempts, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I think that he's number a, can definitely rise. He's definitely a, a guy who likes to pass the ball. He's a guy who who will who basically runs uh, in 11 personnel. You know, through wide receivers sets. So I'm all about that life. And I'm also all about Zeke running, you know, uh, having, you know, less. He's not going to be able to see a lot of stack boxes this year, which is great. Um, so just just a note on that side note. Absolutely. So uh, just to get caught up of where we are, I've moved my list around a little bit. But Gallup was 25. Um, so I'm going to put... And this invisible list in my head, I'm going to move Tyler Lockett to 26, Gallup to 25, and then 27, since there's a shift, is going to be Adam Thielen. So he's one of the most overvalued wide receivers this year. I think he's being drafted at the beginning of the third. So all of all the guys we talked about this episode, Adam Thielen is being drafted before all of those guys, including Juju and including DJ Shark. So Adam Thielen is being drafted, I think, the 303, right. which is awful. So... <laughs> Um, look, as a player, I'm not going to knock on him. He's a good route runner, right? But he had a lackluster amount of targets last year. He was banged up, I'll give you that. But he's going to be 30 going to this year. The Vikings drafted Justin Jefferson. And the Vikings aren't stupid, right? 
they they don't look at Jefferson to say, oh, he played his whole entire college career in the slot. He only played on the outside five times. Maybe we could just force him on the outside. Like they knew who they were drafting. They're not dumb. Justin Jefferson is going to be the main slot receiver on the team. Uh, are they still going to run 12 personnel? Yeah, they are. But you know what? When it comes to playing in the slot, it's going to be Jefferson's role. So the tight ends are going to be the go-to guys in the red zone. You have Delvin Cook getting a ton of passing volume. You have Justin Jefferson being the slot guy. Adam Thielen's going to be 30. Where does he fit on to this offense anymore? He, he didn't have as much success as he did uh, on the slot as he did on the outside. So I have a lot of concerns about Adam Thielen. It's not, it's not nearly as simple as digs out, Thielen go up. Like it's not like digs, bye-bye digs, Thielen go big time now. Like it's not, it's not that simple. And look, I I like how you put that. Like explain this to me. Like I'm two years old. Bye-bye digs. Like the office. Like explain this to me. Like I'm three. Explains it. It's like, okay, explain it. Like I'm two. (laughs) But point being, like, I don't think it's that simple. I think Justin Jefferson kind of slides into a similar role. I don't know. I, I, I'm i not big on Thielen at all, especially at his price. I think it might be one of the worst values in this draft. He could, yeah. he could have over 100 targets, but he's not going to get the touchdowns. His efficiency is going to go down. Like, I don't know what people are expecting from him. Yeah, I'm not crazy high on Thielen, um, but I'm not crazy high on him only because of where he's going, right? And the wide receivers who are going at his price, like Galladay. Evans, Allen Robinson, Juju, uh, DJ Moore around later. Um, and, but I do think that Adam Thielen is very safe, right? I, you have yeah. him ranked where? Wide receiver what? 26? 26. Right. And I think, honestly, like, I think he's a borderline wide receiver one, like a high-end wide receiver two. Um, okay. with, with Diggs gone, i just rather have him a little bit lower than the guys I mentioned, right? Um, with Diggs gone, right, Justice Jefferson, right, being A- you know, being a rookie, right, and mm-hmm. him having limited work this summer than a rookie normally would get, and B, him having to play outside a ton because of the fact that Minnesota runs more 12 personnel than any other team in the league by a huge margin. I don't think he's going to step into a, you know, a quote-unquote Diggs role because he's just not as going to be – he's not as going to be as good as Diggs is just yet, right, in his rookie year. Um, and if Diggs wasn't commanding targets either – he was like averaging five targets per game over the first five games of the season last year with mm-hmm. with Thielen healthy, you know. And then he followed that up with a monster game against Philly. Obviously, both Thielen and him did. Um, they had a non-existent secondary right at the time in Week Six. But you know, with Diggs gone, Thielen is the de facto number one wide receiver, right? If Gary Kubiak is calling plays now, I expect the offense to be a bit more balanced than it was last season under, you know, a less, and I mentioned this before, a less experienced offensive coordinator at Kevin Stefanski, right? And he, he was a great play caller, which is why he ended up getting the head coaching job in Cleveland. But I think Mike Zimmer wants and need, like he, his wants and needs carried more weight with Stefanski because of that, right? And I think with Kubiak coming in very, you know, very uh, experienced play caller, I think we can expect more of what Kubiak does, right? He still mm-hmm. likes to run the ball, uh, but, he does have a top-heavy approach when it comes to targets, especially to wide receivers. Um, and and I personally think that there isn't a wide receiver two on this team that is going to demand targets in 2020, at least. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be a great wide receiver, but I just don't think that's going to happen in year one. Don't, don't um, be slamming on my guy, Olo B.C. Johnson. Don't oh, be, come on, don't, dude. Don't, and, and you know, it's funny. Olo B.C. was playing a lot in the slot last year, too. right? Um, yeah. I, I think Thielen is going to average like 
eight to ten targets a game easily, right? He has a rapport with Cousins as well. He was very efficient on his limited targets last year. Um, but I'm only in on him if he falls a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he has the upside. I think that the other guys that I mentioned that, that are going around his price range have. But at wide receiver 26, like I'll personally, I'll put him like about 10 spots higher. Like a little bit above a mid wide receiver too. Just because of what his, his, tar- what his target share is going to be. You know? Um, so I, I don't like him exactly where he's going. But I think people are overreacting a little bit and t- drafting him over a few guys that I think have more upside. So I, I, I definitely understand following the volume. Right, and I think that's something that could definitely work in Adam Thielen's favor. But at the same time, I mean, Irv Smith going into his second year, they still have Kyle Rudolph there. His touchdowns are going to go down for Thielen. Um, you're relying on receptions. You're relying on yardage. He's going to be playing on the outside. Kirk Cousins likes to throw to the slot. And I mean, I, I understand. He's playing a lot on the outside last year, you know, because yeah, and he didn't do that well. Well, he he didn't have that many targets though, <laughs> you know. Like, and I think on the fact on the targets that he's had, he was very efficient. Right, especially in the beginning of the year, where the, neither of these guys were getting a huge target volume, and mm-hmm. when both these guys were on the field at the same time, in in the beginning of the year, it was all Thielen. Like Thielen was the guy getting those touchdowns, and Thielen was the guy getting the throws that um that resulted in fantasy points. And Diggs wasn't. Diggs was almost useless, almost unstartable in the beginning part of the year, until that Eagles game. Yeah. Um, so when Thielen started getting hurt, that's when Diggs started to come on a little bit. Yeah, so Thielen had a 16.5% target share last year, which isn't great. And you know, even, even if it goes up, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I, I'm going to say this. I think Thielen's target share is going to be around 23% this year. Okay. Something like that. I really do. I, 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 at least because there's nobody else that they're going to throw the ball to. And if you look at Gary Kubiak's uh, tight end usage and stuff like that, it's not that high. You know? Um, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, he does like to use 12 personnel, but he doesn't uh, – he, he targets his wide receiver one and his wide receiver two um, a ton, right, as far as, like, target share mm-hmm. goes. Um, but uh, since there isn't a wide receiver two that I think is going to contribute a ton, especially if they don't play a, a lot of three wide, um, it's going to be tough, I think, for Justin Jefferson to, like, contribute a ton on the outside this year. So that's why I just think that feeling is just so safe. In having a 23% – target share it's it's not that hard to do these are some guys who had uh over 23 percent target share last year mike evans jameson crowder robert woods tyler boyd christian kirk um interesting and john brown i don't know if i said that i probably think i said that um so i I don't think it's too hard for him to have that type of uh that type of target share I, i guess it's just like the volume works in his favor but almost everything else doesn't like the volume is going to go his way, but the red zone stuff, I feel like that's going to go to the tight ends. The earth, you know, Dalvin Cook's going to be very involved in the passing game as well. Um, not going to get much opportunity this lot, but I, I definitely understand following the volume. And he's turning 32, which is when wide receivers usually tend to t- uh, drop off a little bit. He's going to go against number one corners. So, yeah, I mean, there's I have my concerns about Thielen, and honestly, like it's a really, really deep draft class not draft class it's a really deep wide receiver class this year yeah. in terms of fantasy so i mean like obj terry dk keenan allen parker Sutton, gallup yeah. and like if i could break these into tiers i would probably put adam Thielen at the tail end of like that tier but these would all just be one giant tier because all these players are so similar to each other so the right. difference for me between my wide receiver 18 and my wide receiver 26 is not that big at all 
Yeah. So having Thielen at 26 is more of a personal preference, more of liking the upside plays and not liking his value. So rankings are like, it, rankings are different. I feel like for it's, every it's person, tricky, yeah, it's tricky. So it it's a matter of you know the value, um, how much you like that player, where you think they're going to finish. So, and my personal preference, I have Adam Thielen lower than a lot of other people, but even then, it's not you know it's not a huge difference at the end. So uh, we're approaching an hour and thirty minutes. See if we can get through a few more names here: uh, Julian Edelman, Tyler Boyd. And T.Y. Hilton, some of the guys I want to talk about. So let's let's talk about Julian Edelman real quick. So he's getting older. He doesn't have Brady. Um, you know, two red flags. I think he's like 33 now. Yeah. Uh, obviously, two red flags there. But when you look at who Cam he's turning, and, he, by the way, he's turning 34 soon. 34 soon. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's go. gonna be 34 so, when the season starts. But when you look at this team and you look at like a new quarterback coming in, Cam. Who is he going to rely on? Is it going to be James White? Sure, he'll get his share. Is it going to be Nikhil Harry? I don't think he's going to rely on a guy like Nikhil Harry. I think Nikhil Harry can have a lot of success, but he's not going to rely on him. And then Muhammad Sanu, maybe. I mean, but Julian Edelman is the guy who really sticks out as like another guy. I think Julian Edelman had like 140 targets last year. He was like maybe even higher. He, uh, He had 153 targets last year. Yeah, he was and, fourth. He was he tied for fourth in overall target share with Keenan Allen. Exactly. So I'm sorry, not target share, overall targets, net target. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't expect that to be all that much different. I haven't seen any signs of Julian Edelman slowing down as a player. Right. It's like whatever uh, water Tom Brady's drinking, Edelman's been drinking the same exact water. Because I'm sure, people, he's, I'm sure he's he's on the TB12 program. Hey, maybe he's on the TB pliability. You know, he's he's getting <laughs> it all done, but. When you look at who could really become a safety blanket, that's like Julian Edelman's role. He's going to be in the slot, and he's going to have those mismatches. Um, age, concern, not having Brady, concern. But I think he's, you know, and, and by the way, I do think it's going to be Cam that's starting. I don't think it's going to be Jared yeah. Stidham. I don't I don't right. believe in that at all, that Jared Stidham is going to have any chance to be the starter unless Cam gets hurt. But I, um, I, am, a lot more confident. I am a lot more confident in Julian Edelman. Now that Cam is in town. Yeah, and honestly, even if it was Stidham, I think they'd have no problem with Edelman being the go-to guy still. Yeah, he will be the go-to guy if he's healthy, right? Um, Like, Cam's not the most accurate quarterback, but it doesn't matter that much with Edelman. Like, he's running a majority of his routes from the slot. Um, He had a great year last year, man. Like, he was literally the only option, right? Like, besides James White. It was like him and James White, right? Uh, He had the most receptions out of the slot last season of, of any player. A second highest target share out of the slot, fourth overall targets, right? I said with Keenan Allen. So I think he's in line. He's in line for a huge target share once again. I think, you know, unless Nikhil Harry like takes a big step forward, you know, I don't see where else the ball's gonna go. Right. The only thing with Edelman for me is that he's 34 years old. Well, mm-hmm. he's gonna be 34 when he goes into the season. And depending on, we're kind of depending on him to stay healthy and productive. Um, for me, it's a little bit of a tough thing to do at like for me at that age, right? Now he can be the exception, and he proved kind of proved that last season. Yeah. But like I don't know, like we just don't see too many thirty-four, thirty-four-year-old wide receivers as fantasy relevant guys, right? He yeah, did, and- he did a big at thirty-three. Kudos <laughs> to him. And I might be missing out, but like I just might look elsewhere if guys like Devontae Parker, maybe James White. Yeah, and Burrow, like one Cook, of the things with Edelman, Allen. especially as a Patriots fan, and I don't want to sound like bias in when I'm saying this, but I think Edelman is one of the toughest guys in the league. Yeah. And another thing, too, is 
we uh sometimes we look to like running backs we see how much work they saw early on in their career because it can affect their longevity in the league so if they weren't seeing 300 carries for the first five years that running back five years later is like equivalent to a younger running back because they haven't been worn down through all those years edelman's kind of in a similar situation between i mean he joined the team and i think it was like 2008 2009 but he wasn't really involved in the offense till like 2013 14 15 right because so and the other slot guys that they have yeah so he he was kind of in the background for quite some time and even when he's been on the field he's still playing at a high level I always think back to that um, that Seattle game where he – I think I bring this up like every podcast. It's like one of those things that I always bring up. But he took that hit from Cam Chancellor. He got hit dead on, and then he stayed up and kept going. And it was one of the most impressive plays I've seen out of a wide receiver next to his catch in the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl where we all know the infamous like picking it up, not even like – keeping it this far away from the ground. But point being, Edelman is a very, very talented wide receiver. Um, and then you look at a guy like Jared Cook, who's kind of in the background for, uh, you know, he had some good years in the early part of his career. But Jared Cook's 33. He had one of his best years in the NFL last year. So it's not impossible for these guys to perform. It, it's not likely, and we haven't seen it all that much. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, 34, 35. But Larry Fitzgerald is putting up wide receiver two numbers in the beginning of last year as well. See, that's the thing. Like these guys are the exception, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you, the exception. You see, like one guy do it, <laughs> Larry Fitz. Like, yeah, it's hard even, to like extrapolate that to like. But like, I agree with you that he's that type of guy. He he's that type of guy, and he hasn't seen that early work. Um, I, I I don't know. In the slot, there's still not too many options there. If they if Antonio Brown signed back with the team, or if they went out and got like one of the top tight ends available, I'd be a little less. You know, a little less high on Julian Edelman, but I think in PPR, he can still be a fantastic wide receiver three. Like he's one of those guys in the sixth, seventh round where dude, like if he plays, like honestly, I think he'll be a like if he's healthy and he plays, I think he'll be a borderline wide receiver one in PPR. That's that's a flip. You, you like I said, like I just don't want to have that guy because like. I want to make sure like, if I'm drafting Edelman, I want to make sure that I have some depth behind him, right? So I'm gonna grab like a Deontay Johnson, Jamison Crowder, Christian Kirk, Sterling Shepard. Edelman Shepard's. is always the depth behind type of guy. Like he's exactly. like my wide receiver four. Like he's that guy who is the depth. A lot right, of right, right. And his price is fine. Like I get that the risk is baked into his ADP. It's just like for me to like invest in a 34 year old wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? And like have to kind of. If I have to depend on that, that would kind of suck. But if he's playing, like, if he's healthy, the thing is, like, if he's going to get, like, eight, nine, ten targets a game, yeah. then you, it's very hard to not be a PPR wide receiver one. Yep. It's just – it just it won't happen because it's he's getting efficient targets. He's running out of the slot, um, and it's hard – because that's what he was last year. He was a wide receiver one last year, right? Yeah. Like, what's really changing here? Tom Brady? Like, what, Tom Brady is just amazing at hitting slot wide receivers? No, I don't think that's the case. I think – the reason why the reason why Julian Edelman was so good last year is because of Julian Edelman, not because of Tom Brady. Tom Brady wasn't making Julian Edelman. You know what I mean? So I think Cam Newton coming in, as long as Edelman's healthy, like it's good. I just don't want to invest in that because I don't know if he's going to be healthy all year, and I don't know if he he'll be able to to stand up the whole entire season. You know. And um, what makes what makes Tom Brady so great is that is that he he uses his weapons in the best way he can. Like he he's vers he's a versatile quarterback 
in the sense of he can change up what kind of a quarterback he is. Like when he had Randy Moss, he was a deep thrower. Yeah. Right. When he had Wes Welker, he would target the slot. When he had Gronk, he was all about the tight ends. When he has Edelman, he's all about Edelman. Like it, it's about the personnel he has, which is why when you look at his scenario in Tampa Bay, I mean, he's, he has some deep threats. He has some guys who play all over the field. I think even at his age, he can kind of adjust to that and play to that level. I agree. With so you. that's that's he's not going to be throwing the ball to like Dario Ogumbawale because he misses James White. Yeah, no, it's not it's not going to be like that. And at the same time, like you made a good point where you said like Brady didn't make Edelman, but like uh, at the same time, like he he's going to throw to his best player. He just wants yeah. to get his best player the ball. Right. And the fact that it has been Edelman for so many years just goes to show like how good Edelman actually is. Right. So that, that's just a little more on that. As a Patriots fan whose heart has been broken. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, next thing I want to talk about Tyler Boyd. So Tyler Boyd is going to be one of the best wide receiver values out of all these players. I think he's going to the eighth round, which is, Absolutely nuts for this season he had last year. Wow, um, he's at the seven eight turn. Wow, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, so uh, he had all those targets last year. I think he was, he was up there. I think he had like 140, 130 targets last year. Um, now he's got AJ. He caught, uh, he caught 90 balls. Yeah, he caught 90 balls too. But now apparently AJ Green is healthy. Um, T Higgins coming in like a rookie. I'm not worried about the rookie. John Ross. I'm not worried about John Ross. Um, who else? I mean, the tight ends. Everybody's saying like, "Oh, it's crowded, right? It's crowded wide receiver room." Is it? Is it really? No. Is it really that crowded? Like AJ Green and Tyler Boyd. Those are just two wide receivers that you have. Most teams have two wide receivers. Like, do they not? So, and I mean, like Joe Burrow as a rookie, not much of an offseason program. I think I don't think anyone's expecting him to not start Week One, no matter what the scenario is. So he could struggle a little, um, especially early on. But at the same time, Tyler Boyd's that main slot wide receiver. And we talked about having a safety blanket. Tyler Boyd was that guy for um, – what the hell was his name? Andy Dalton. Jesus, right. I can't think of his name. He's <laughs> so so in the past now. But um, he was that guy for Dalton last year. He became that guy. He had that great year. I think he has two straight seasons of 1,000 yards now. So um, I, I might be wrong on that. Um, I, don't, I should probably fact check these things before I say them, <laughs> but that's why you're here. But anyway, <laughs> how will Burrow do with no preseason? And uh, and by the way, when we say no preseason, that I don't think it's become official yet, but that's just what we're expecting. And at the same time, that's what uh, the NFL has offered the NFLPA. So they're in talks of having no preseason season. So to- no, I think the NFL, NFL already said that there's going to be no preseason. Oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah. See, there's gonna be no preseason. No preseason this, this year. Um. So, <laughs> um. I, like, I was big on Tyler Boyd last season, and now he's being drafted even later. Um. Yeah. He was very inconsistent last season, right? But like, who could blame him, right? He had court, like a bunch of quarterback issues, quarterback in and out the lineup. Um. Now he has AJ uh, AJ Greenback, Joe Burrow as his quarterback. He was probably healthy. Like Green was probably healthy in the middle of last year, right? Um. After that, what was it? Uh. It was it was an ankle injury, right? High ankle sprain. He had surgery on a high ankle sprain. Not many people do that. Right, right, right. And I think he was healthy at some point, but he just refused to come back to that shit show. I think that's literally what happened. Um, <laughs> like, and then the French tag team. Franchise tag team. Um, now, with Green back, right, that's less of the defense's attention on Boyd. Uh, so he'll be able to run out of the slot a little bit more freely. 
Yeah. Uh, Justin Jefferson like absolutely killed it with Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's slot, what I was going to mention. Slot at, at LSU, right? So there's a chance that Burrow just naturally looks that way. Now, Burrow also had his outside wide receivers killing it as well. Like Jamar Chase, like absolutely murdered last season, yeah. right? Um, AJ Green shouldn't be left out of this. So as you know, he was like elite, right? A couple of years ago, like he was an elite wide receiver. He probably still is, but like who knows how long we'll have him for this year, right? Um, like I'm fine with Boyd as my wide receiver three in PPR leagues. His price is at the seven eight turn, like you said. That's great. Like he caught ninety balls last year. He was on pace to do the same thing in 2018. Um, he doesn't have like a ton of upside, but he'll be a solid PPR wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside if he gets the targets. Imagine, imagine drafting this way. Imagine picking a running back in rounds one, two, three, and four, getting a wide receiver in the fifth and sixth, getting a tight end in the seventh, and then getting Tyler Boyd as your wide receiver three. I mean, that, you could. Imagine, weird. like, what what could those top four, you drafting running back in the first four rounds, what could that running back room look like? And then at the same time, we talk about all these guys available in the fifth. Let's say you get Terry. Let's say you get DJ Shark. Let's say um, you come back, maybe you grab, like, uh, Hayden Hurst or whoever in the seventh. And then you finish off with Tyler Boyd as wide receiver three. You don't have a weak spot on that team. And it may seem overkill, especially if you're starting two running backs, to have four running backs. But in this day and age, running backs are so slim that you can you can find so much value. Maybe you trade for another top wide receiver, or maybe you take a wide receiver at that point. Either right. way, like the flexibility of taking a guy like Tyler Boyd in the eighth round allows you to do so much. And it, it, we really can't stress enough, you need to wait on wide receiver now more than ever. There's no reason. Like, I get it. Like, in the end of the second round is like this shitty situation to where I wouldn't want to pick anyone else but maybe a tight end or a wide receiver. Just because I, you know, I don't like grabbing Aaron Jones or Leonard Fournette in that range. I'd rather wait until the beginning of the third and pick whatever running back is available there. So in that scenario, I would pick like Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, or go George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, that range. But um, overall, I, I don't see another reason why you wouldn't go running back in the first three or four rounds. I love Galladay at this price, by the way. Just want to say yeah, that. Yeah, me too. All right, me too. Thanks. We talked about him. <laughs> Glad you did without me. Sad. Yeah. It's okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Who's next? All right. So 30th, I have Hilton. Some guys are going to be left out of this list. We talked about Landry. Um, Green is going to be left out. We kind of hit on him a yeah, little bit. Right. Like, look, if, he, if he's healthy, we can we can talk about this real quick. If he's healthy, maybe – I mean, if you're getting an elite wide receiver, he could be a high wide receiver too. But health is a huge concern. He's over 30 years old now. Yeah. So there there's concern with AJ Green. Uh, he's he also – that sure. his last amazing season was 2015, right? Yeah. <laughs> he played a full season in 2017, but he barely had 1,000 yards. He had almost 1,100. So he's a great player, and if he's healthy, he'll be great. But at the age 32, I think he's t- turning 32 in a week or so. So happy birthday, AJ Green. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, happy birthday, you suck. He doesn't suck. You know, honestly, like, give me Tyler Boyd instead. You know, every time you think – AJ Green in the sixth round or whatever. Exactly. Tyler Boyd in the eighth. Not even like, a question. Every time you're like, all right, AJ Green's going to be healthy this year. And like, he would just disappoint you over the past couple of seasons. He just went ahead and got hurt. So is Joe Burrow, and then on top of that, is Joe Burrow going to come in and light the world on fire in year one? Maybe not. No. So yeah, that's all we have to really say about AJ Green. But let's get into T.Y. Hilton. So T.Y. Hilton is my wide receiver 30. 
Yeah, so I have Landry 32 because of uh, some of the stuff we talked about before with Landry. But okay, uh, Hilton dealt. He's he's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. I went to his player profiler just for fun, and I was like, how many injuries has T.Y. Hilton had? I mean, throughout the years. So uh, let's see if I can pull that up real quick. Player, I thought I had it open already. So T.Y. Hilton over the years. Going down to the bottom. Yeah, I'm talking about this. So last year he had a calf tear in week nine. He had a quadriceps strain. He missed six games last year between those two injuries. Uh, 2018, pectoral strain, hamstring strain, quadriceps strain, 17, groin strain, 16, back strain, hip strain, knee strain, hamstring strain, 15, calf strain, sprain, strain, strain, concussion, <laughs> concussion strain, ankle sprain. Designating all the way back to 2014. It's, it seems like he's banged up one way or another every right. single year of his career. And now he's 31. Who knows what kind of a toll those injuries have taken on his body. Um, and look, Philip Rivers, he's an upgrade from Jacoby Brissett. You know, that's that's not yeah. any, uh, no questioning that. But is he guaranteed to be the wide receiver one on his own team? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't think he is. Like, who is the number one on his team, dude? If there was Naheem Hines, no, okay. <laughs> oh my God, dude, you do not mention Naheem Hines right now. Do not <laughs> say his name. <laughs> no, right Naheem Hines one more time, dude. I'm out. <laughs> no, but um, look, even with T.Y. Who's, Billy... who's challenging T.Y. Hilton for targets? Michael Pittman. Look, 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 it's the important targets that I see. It could be the red zone targets that he could get. T.Y. Hilton, he's been a deep ball type guy throughout his career. Um, not that he can't play all over the, all over the field, because he can. He can be an X receiver. Would you but, say that Michael Pittman has a similar skill set to Michael Williams? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. And look at look, look at Michael Williams' usage in, in, in San Diego. Or... LA I'm not drafting. I'm not drafting Mike Pittman at that level. But I think I'm not just, drafting him at that level. But the target share, I think, is more closer to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams than a than you know with T. Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman. Like where Michael Pittman is a rookie still, T. Y. Hilton the established one. I don't think okay. there's anything about that. I can get on board with that, but I I think for me still it's more about the injuries and yeah, 100%. I'm with without you the rapport between Rivers and Hilton already established, especially if he is dealing with injuries. If he gets hurt early on, maybe he yeah. establishes that with Paris Campbell. I'm not saying Paris Campbell wouldn't necessarily take over as the wide receiver one. I think he's kind of being slept on a little bit. The point being, he could look more towards Jack Doyle. He could look more towards Naheem Hines. He could look more towards Michael Pittman in the red zone. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I did say it. But um, point being, like I, I don't trust Hilton to stay healthy at 31 yeah. with all those I think injuries. That's, and, I think that's the main issue for me. Like he's the, I, For me, he's the clear-cut number one in the offense, right? Like, I don't know wh- what other pass catcher is going to come close to his target share. Um, I don't think it's anyone. The issue with Hilton, don't say it. The issue with Hilton, like, is just as injuries for me. Um, the, the tar- he's laughing over there. The target there is going to be there for him if he's healthy, though. Um, before he got hurt last year, he was on pace for 96 y- catches and 16 touchdowns. And that was with Jacoby. The pace is when, when you talk about the pace and you say 16 touchdowns, you're like, all right. Um, talk that about was- Tyler Higby's 16 game pace at the end. Of the- <laughs> oh my goodness. 2,000 yards. 
brain explosion. Um, <laughs> and like that was with Jacoby Brissett, right? And obviously he gets an upgrade in Philip Rivers. So at least he, you know, Philip Rivers is a guy who can get him the ball, right? Similar to what he did with Keenan Allen. Like he got him the ball, right? And I can see Ty being like, would he have him? Why was he with thirty? Thirty. Yeah, thirty. So like I can see that because of injury. But I think he's a top 20 guy when he's healthy. And now you know I'm a fan of Paris Campbell, right? I'm definitely keeping an eye on him before week one. And I think if he stays healthy, he'll be their main slot guy and can take some targets away. Uh, but I still think there's enough volume for T.Y. to sustain himself as the clear one on that team uh, with Rivers. Um, Hilton was averaging the fifth most fantasy points per game with Jacoby Brissett before he got hurt hurt, right? And that, with that hurt, being hurt. said, hurt hurt. He wasn't hurt, but he was hurt hurt. Like, because he, I think he missed the game early on, came back, and then he was hurt, hurt. Um, because he missed a couple games after that. So, if you're hurt, you miss one game. If you're hurt, hurt, you miss a couple games. Um, there you go. So, with that being said, like, you know, he's going in a tough spot, though. And I think I might not have too much of him unless he falls, right? Like, he's, I'd rather have Shark, McLaurin, Keenan Allen. Um, I'd rather have those guys. So, he's not going to be on, like, he probably won't be on any of my teams unless he falls uh, significantly. Yeah, and that's I guess it's a similar situation like we talked about Cortland Sutton. Like he's surrounded by all these other guys, so I don't see why I would pick out Hilton as that guy around. Who is like, Hilton surrounded by? Like I'm still I don't know. No, like, no, no, surrounded oh, in okay. terms of where he's being drafted. <laughs> no Naheem Hines. He's surrounded by Naheem Hines. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, Naheem Hines, God. we're gonna talk about him next episode. So <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's going to do it. Um, I'm not too big on him. Uh, some other guys that have been left out, Marquise Brown, um, and then the Houston wide receivers with Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. But Can we the talk plan- about Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks real quick? If you want to, yeah. Yeah, I, I, we can talk about them together, right? Yeah. Um, so, where, by the way, like, do you have them like close to the wide receiver 30 range? Uh, I have, I have Fuller 34 and Cooks 35. Gotcha. Okay, so... If Fuller, I think, if he plays, like, 12 games, right, which is absurd for Will Fuller, um, if he does that, I think he'll finish ahead of Cooks, right? He played 11 games last season, 7 games the year before, 10 games before that, right? I think it's just going to be annoying to have him on my roster. Like, when he, when he plays and he finishes the game, he's going to be great, right? And if I have Fuller, like, and he starts having some good games, I'm trading his ass, right? I'm going to cut my losses get something in return, and then maybe he'll get hurt. I don't know. But um, DeAndre Hopkins obviously left a shit ton of targets vacated. Uh, I think Brandon Cooks is going to be the one that assumes the number one role if Fuller can stay healthy, right? Either way, I think Cooks is in line for a ton of targets either way, right? He's not like a legit number one wide receiver, but like I honestly think he has a chance to rack up 130 targets this year. Brandon Um, Cooks is my rented receiver. Yeah, man, exactly. Like Borrow him for a year, he'll do the job. Exactly. I love that. Like he averaged Cooks averaged 120 targets over the last four seasons before 2019. Right. And that was three that was with three different teams, right? That exactly. Um a thousand yards each year, right? And he's turning twenty-seven in September. So he's young, right? Um I think his only risk is the concussions. Um otherwise he's been available for more than ninety percent of his career games. Um and I don't think his price is that bad, honestly. He tends to drop in the seventh, sometimes closer to the eighth. Um, mm-hmm. and on those teams, by the way, um, he had competition for targets, right? Like he, he had cup, he had woods, um, his main competition, I think this year will be, will be David Johnson. Right. And I'm not convinced that Bill O'Brien even gives, gives David Johnson the six targets a game that he deserves. Right. Um, so I would classify cooks as like a high end wide receiver three. 
rather than a low-end wide receiver three, um, like mm -hmm. how you have him here. Um, by the way, like I don't want to understate the concussion history. I think that's an issue. Um, I think if he gets another one, like I would assume it's going to be a situation where it's like, you know, how long does he need to sit out for? Um, but otherwise, like I think he's a he's going he's a pretty good value um, in that offense. Yeah, so I I think they both carry similar injury risk. Really? Oh, well, Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. Look, and it's 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 similar, but it's different, right? Because Will Fuller is two years removed from ACL. He's had a lot of freak injuries similar to like what Fournette had. If Fuller didn't end the year on um what was it? I think it was like a he tore something in abdomen. He had like right. some he like hurt his abdomen. He tore something. If he didn't tear that, I would be Will Fuller wide receiver too. Like I'd right. be talking about that all season because he's two years removed from his ACL injury. Um, but still, Brandon Cooks, right? One concussion. He's had three in like a span of like a year or two. And right. that's not good at all. Even if he's had some time before his last concussion, it's yeah. it's, it's not good at all. So one concussion could bring him out for four, five weeks, maybe even longer, depending yeah. on how bad the concussion actually is. And then you have a guy like Will Fuller, who, I mean, at any given time could play like less than 10 games, or maybe he puts up 11 or 12. But like you said, if he puts up 10 games, then you're definitely going to like him over a guy like Cooks. Um, that being said, I if I'm on the clock and I don't have a wide receiver three, and Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller are on the board, I'm going to take Brandon Cooks because <laughs> I think Brandon Cooks will still be more consistent on a week-to-week -week basis. But if I have a wide receiver three, I'm taking Will Fuller because I want that upside of what Fuller can be. So um, it, it's exactly that's a great point, man. Because you, you're, you're the way you're thinking about it is that if I'm going to have a wide receiver on my bench, mm -hmm. I'd rather have more upside. Whereas mm -hmm. if you need a wide receiver three to start, I'm, you're going to go a little safer. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, if if Fuller plays the same amount of games as Cooks, he has that established chemistry with Deshaun Watson. There's 150 targets up for grabs. The sky's the limit. I mean, Fuller could realistically a healthy will fuller could be a wide receiver one it's not out of the question no it's not so um and then i think brendan cooks if he plays 16 games maybe he's a high wide receiver too at best right. you know what i mean so i, I think the ceiling I, for fuller makes him much more intriguing um as a player he's a better and, player like he, he's more talented you know what I'm like he, he, yeah. he can have like a, he can have ridiculous games ridiculous seasons if he can stay healthy um, and it's a matter of back too. So hmm. sky's the limit for him. If you can it's a matter of them being healthy. Cause although the injury miss may seem different, it may seem different, but like they both have a chance to miss five or six games at any day, any week's notice. Right. So in that aspect, I do have fuller one spot over cooks, but it just comes to a matter of what my team needs when exactly. I get to them. And they're both on the board. Like in the yep. Scott fish, I didn't have a wide receiver three. So I picked cooks, even though they were both on the, uh, both on the board. Right. So I went that route, but still. Got it. Got it. Yep. So that's where we uh, land with those. We, we, um, do you want to talk about Marquise Brown? Cause I feel like we kind of skimmed over him. Uh, we can. Um, I think for me, like with Marquise Brown, like it's, I just, I, I don't want to pay his price. Right. Um, right now he's going in the middle of the sixth round and I understand the upside. You know what I mean? Um, I think, like this year, he could have like uh, like if I had to guess what his uh, stat line is going to be, mm -hmm. I would guess like 65 catches, 
for like uh, like 1100 yards maybe 1200 and like seven touchdowns right that's kind of how i look at it and that's pretty good right but i don't know if the volume is going to be there um i I, we would have to depend on again depend on efficiency and you're really like looking at him taking a huge step forward from year one to year two he was Mm -hmm. completely banged up last year and he he actually went above expectations last year like considering how hurt he was with the screw in his foot and all that um and now he's going into this year healthy um and without that much target for competitions i'm, I'm sorry competition for targets like he could <laughs> we're, 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 we're almost reaching the two-hour mark so i can't talk <laughs> right now but um i i think that you know you're really doing a lot of projecting out when you're choosing him and when when you look at who's on the board you know Devontae parker's still there you know, maybe Julian Edelman's still there. Um, yeah. A couple of running backs, upside running backs you might like. Um, but I do think his price is going down a little bit than it was mm-hmm. earlier in the offseason. So if his price goes down a little bit more, I might be okay taking him if I need to shoot for upside. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that's what you're doing when you're grabbing him. You're shooting for upside. So it's a little tough for me uh, to grab him. I haven't had him on too many of my teams only because of that. But I understand that he hardly played any snaps last year, and when he was in, he killed it. You know, so it's 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 going to be interesting. Um, he has the high uh, high wide receiver two, low wide receiver one upside as a player. It's just even if his efficiency goes up and he plays a lot better, he's on the field more. I don't think his targets necessarily. It doesn't really move the needle that much for his targets because they're gonna. This is gonna be a run heavy team. He's the deep threat guy. I mean, they have still have Willie Sneed in the slot. Devin Duvernay, who I think is going to be a great slot receiver for them in the future. Miles um, Boykin on the outside, who if he's involved, Miles Boykin can take some of these touchdowns as well. Um, so, and I mean, obviously Mark Andrews, the biggest threat on the field, who I think is the team's number one target. So yeah, I agree. Uh, at the same time, you're taking Lamar Jackson's number two player. And if, if we're projecting, uh, Lamar Jackson to fall at any bit uh, for him to regress at any point from what he did last year, throwing 30 touchdowns with like the least amount of passing attempts in the league, which I mean, it's hard to sustain that level of success. So if we're projecting Lamar Jackson's production to go down a little bit in the passing game, we have to kind of apply that to everybody on the team. So I, although he was a rookie going to his second year, I don't think there's that much room for growth. Even if he's healthy, he can be more efficient with, his uh with his targets and his receptions but at the same time you know i i I wouldn't put too much faith into him over some of the other guys that we mentioned it's more of a preference thing like in the throne league we're at the point where we were deciding between michael gallup ty hilton and uh marquise brown all these guys uh ended up following um and we ended up going michael gallup and i think it was the right choice i agree i agree and michael gallup is going like almost a round and a half later exactly so it's like, why take him there when you can take someone else around later? So whew, how do you feel? I think that does it. Uh, I feel great, man. I think that was a great episode. Um, hopefully people are still here. Should we put another little uh, Easter egg? And uh, yeah, it was French fries. I, I had last time. like three people redeem the French fries code last week. Yeah, I had a few, and, I had a few people uh, DM me and text me. Um, yeah. So, so if you guys are still here after two hours, really, really appreciate it. Um, next week, Really want to do this sleepers episode. So we talked about this uh, a little bit. We hinted towards it a little bit in the last episode, and we talked about it before we got on today. But 
what we want to do is talk about sleepers from quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight ends, guys we haven't really talked about yet. And um, maybe after that we can do busts or something. But yeah. I mean, but we've already talked about like the top guys and the busts past the 30. I don't I guess aren't right. really there, but we can figure something else or, out. Or, like some, being, or guys we're avoiding, something like that. You know? Yeah, guys we're avoiding. Yeah. That make, that works. But yeah. um, yeah, so sleeper episode, we'll keep you guys updated on that. Want to get that out next week. Uh, what what should the word this week be? What should the word be? Um, let's do um, chicken nuggets. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Let's I like it. Stay so, with the theme. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, DM us chicken nuggets if you were able to listen to the whole entire thing. We really, really appreciate it. Subscribe. Uh, follow me on Instagram, fantasy.football.analyst. Follow Faraz, Upper Hand Fantasy. Is there anything else you want to say before we get out? Uh, no, that's it. Yeah, just shoot us a DM if you have any questions you want to talk. You can also text me, by the way. Um, I, you can text me. The number is 718-306-6701. You can text me there, and we can we can chat fantasy. Or show up at his house. It's like the same thing. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> My address is. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, text me, DM me, whatever. Let's talk. All right. Sounds good. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week with Sleepers. See ya. See you.